shoot and talk motherfuckers and welcome back to the destoprods.com comic book podcast the final comic book podcast of 2017 as always i'm dead and by saying that in german i probably convinced somebody i'm a nazi because you know it's 2017 the year of nazis well last year you would have been said to be one of those canadian bratwurst nazis because you know kevin smith <laughs> oh yeah hey how it hit here you know <laughs> the Reich will be paved in Canadian blood, eh? Also, maple syrup. Those, the, those sausage things. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they call, oh yeah, they call them krauts. They call them like sauerkraut That's or like it. krauts or whatever. I don't know. We just call them frankenfurters. Again, from shopsies. I shouldn't be making. I shouldn't be making fucking Nazis sound like a children's show host. The happy one you hear is Birdie. Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, the hardline conservative is Nico. Ho, ho, hoes. <laughs> I mean... Great <laughs> <laughs> ah. to start the show, everybody. <laughs> so, Birdie, since don't you're make, in the, since you're in make the festive... Any sex- <laughs> Don't make any sexual allegations about me, please. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if people cared about us, that this would be really bad for us. <laughs> you imagine some like actual longtime listeners like that's it. I've had enough of this. <laughs> Just like tunes up. Yeah. Just T nasty's like I know I used to like you guys, but then you got political. Bertie, did you listen to our last episode? <laughs> yeah, I was doing more happy things, like taking homework and taking exams. So, Bertie, since you're in the best mood, why don't you start us off? You know, set the you know, set the tone for the show. All right, it's gonna be good. So, I started this year. I remember. By bitching about mainstream comics treatment of some of my favorite female characters. In that case, it was Marvel, with what they did to Captain Marvel at post-Civil War 2, and what turned out to be a horrible mistake in She-Hulk's new solo book, which has recently ended with a meta-awareness rom-com date episode, date comic in preparation for what I assume is the final arc of this bullshit. If not, it needs to end. So it's a callback to like the original days of like the sensational She-Hulk? Yeah, just about. Was it any good? No, but that's not even what I want to talk about. Okay. So now, it's DC's turn. Let's talk about Injustice 2 Annual, which explains the origin of the Injustice Wonder Woman. Yeah, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I am here for footnotes. So, over the course of this year, I have been discussing with Dead Man... How apparently a series that of video games that, for the most part, are a pretty decent to good DC Elseworlds tale 
have one real big flaw. Kind of the biggest flaw of the entire thing. Like, everything else, this one element brings down the rest of the fucking show. Because everything else is written with an understanding of the characters and how they would change in this new environment. This did not give a shit. No, like, this this isn't even recognizable as the same character. So, for Nico's benefit, I'll run through the setup to this comic. In the first Injustice, Wonder Woman joined... Yeah, go ahead. I I know some of the first Injustice, but yeah, please. In the first Injustice, Wonder Woman joined Superman's evil side because either A, she wanted to bone the Super D, or B... She was willing to let him oppress an entire planet because he was sad. Because, you know, that sounds like Wonder Woman. Yeah, like, in, in those initial first uh, few issues and, like, the first series itself, uh, Wonder Woman seemed, like, super eager to get on board. And it wasn't just, like, a... Like, apparently in this world, the Amazonians are like Hercules. At least, like, in, like, OG Hercules in their, like, way that they do things. Because she... Because, like, she she believed that, like, Wonder Woman believes, like, hey, treat everybody with love and respect and everything. This Wonder Woman is like, yeah, like, fuck these dudes. Yep. And so, the Amazons are, like, really cool with it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And in the second series, we learn that Wonder Woman actually compelled or influenced Superman to be even harsher and crueler to humanity. <laughs> because... You know, that was good for men everywhere. Yeah, you know. So I, and I've had this discussion with Deadman several times, several other people were wondering, what the fuck's up with Wonder Woman? Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know, dude. And in the first two se- in the I get the impression that in the first game, the writers just didn't care. Like, she had to be on some side... They put her somewhere, wrote something to justify it, regardless if it made any sense for the character or not. Where, for the most part, I think most of the alignments for most of the characters in this seem to line up with what I know either changes in this alternate universe or what I know of the original characters. I will say that uh, the weird one is kind of Shazam. Yeah, but... Uh... Like, it's, it's not Wonder Woman levels of what the fuck is happening. Like, like there could be there could be an argument there, but there's this really actually interesting scene where Billy like has a debate with himself. Like it's Billy Batson versus Billy Batson with the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah, and but that at least sounds on... like they put in some effort, whereas Wonder Woman they just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, the woman was just like, hey, why don't she land on Superman's side? Because she like wants some. Yeah, because you know apparently Frank Miller wrote this thing, at least regarding her. <laughs> So in the second one, we learn that not only did Wonder Woman want the Super D, she also compelled Superman to be even harsher and crueler than she did in the first in the first one because, you know, it was good for humanity. This of course was mentioned in the bad ending, but in my opinion, it's the bad ending because it in the it's the bad ending because it makes no sense at all. <laughs> so, after the second ish series, where they basically probably had heard complaints from people about how Wonder Woman acted, 
The comic tie-in, which from what I've been told from Dead Man and from what I've read, appears to be pretty good at, like, fleshing out the original story without contradicting it and adding a lot of cool stuff to this interesting Elseworlds mythos. Well, they are kind of so cutting in this... it out there, but there there are some contradictions in what's happening in the comics and in the games. Okay. Well, I haven't read all of it, so I don't know. You could, If you want to go into those contradictions now, you can. I just want to go into what they decided was the reason Wonder Woman is the way she is. It was never about Wonder Woman, the contradiction. The contradiction comes up with uh, Dick Grayson and uh, Damien and all that other bat shit. Okay. So in the comics... Okay, sorry. Yeah, that's that's okay. So in the comics, uh, they dealt with with the uh, uh, Damien and all that shit incredibly well. Like, Damien has always been the, why don't we just kill him, Robin? Yeah. And so when Superman, his dad's best friend and potential secondary father figure, when he, when Superman's like, yeah, let's fucking kill people, Damien is all on board. So, so one, so one night they get a, they get a, they get an alert from Arkham Asylum. Superman and his contingent have gone into uh, the fucking there have gone in there to extract everybody from Arkham, take them away, and kill them. Damien is all down for this. Nightwing and Batman are like, "How about no?" So as they're fighting, uh, Nightwing is trying to is doing his best, you know, Big Brother stick, and he and uh, Damien is really pissed about it. So he chucks a so he chucks one of uh, Nightwing's Eskrima sticks at him. It hits him in the back of the head. And then he falls and breaks his neck on a piece of rubble. <laughs> oh, so so Damien Million Dollar babied him. Yes, but Million Dollar, but million dollar babied him to more immediate death. Yeah, but same result. Yeah, so at this point, Batman's like, oh, fuck, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, Damien is like very remorseful about it, but Batman freaks the fuck out. He's like, hey, you fucking killed my son. To his son. Yeah. Yeah, and so carries him out, and that is kind of what drives Damien to Superman's side. In the game, um, Superman is just leading a bunch of fucking no-name jobbers out of Arkham when Damien and Bruce show up, no Nightwing, and Damien's like, yeah, I'm on his side now, bye. Nightwing's not even mentioned. Yeah, okay. That's the biggest contradiction I noticed. Yeah. So anyway, with the new with this annual origin story for Wonder Woman, I have now attempted to con- to connect the three aspects of this storyline together, and either they don't make sense, or the only stuff that makes sense is not good writing. So let's do this. Word. First. Wonder Woman is considered to be harsher, crueler, and more violent than all the other Amazons, to the point where Hippolyta says, Hey, bitch, you almost killed one of your sparring mates because they attacked you as a group. To which Wonder Woman responds, Yeah, okay, I'm sorry I almost killed her, but in the, on the field, that would be really awesome, right? If I just immediately try to kill people? Uh, yeah, you're chopping up real bad. I can barely understand you. Okay. <sighs> I'm trying yeah. To... Hopefully it's just the connection. All right, so... 
In a sparring incident, in a sparring practice, Wonder Woman almost kills one of her sparring mates. Because they attack her as a group. So she's like, fuck it, kill them. Which point Hippolyta's like, uh, no? Learn some self-control, you bitch? (laughs) At which point Steve Trevor shows up, and the storyline that was... And clearly the way they played out the storyline was meant to reference the movie because they have a lot of the scenes that look remarkably like scenes from the movie, which I mostly liked. Yeah, but like even in the movie, like when when people ganged up on her or started like being harsher to her, the only time she ever acted, the only time she ever like acted in like a non-proportionate response was when she accidentally used her God powers. Yeah. I just think Wonder Woman, like Wonder Woman, while she is a, while she will fight you to the death if need be. She knows the difference between, like, life or death match and sparring. Yeah. So, there's a lot of stupid... Bo- this is, They're back to the World War II version in this case. But look, here's, here's the big twist to the story. That's all they could come up with as to why Wonder Woman's evil. What if Steve Trevor was secretly a Nazi? Fuck you. That is... So, yeah. That is lazy. That is lazy. So when when Steve Trevor found out about the lasso of truth after he left, he comp- he created a situation where he wanted to torture a Nazi mole for information to compel Wonder Woman to go and get the lasso so that he could get it himself. When she finds out about this, he asks, "Why didn't you t- mention you were a Nazi when we used the lasso of truth on you?" She said, "Well, you didn't ask the right questions." What? Yeah, they asked who, who, like, what is your allegiance? Who do you work for? Apparently, all he said was, "I work for the U- for the United States." He never mentioned he was a Nazi. That's his justification for why no one knew he was a Nazi until this moment. And so, after this point, Wonder Woman says, "I loved you. Did you love me?" To which he said, "Yeah, but I'm a Nazi, so I loved being a Nazi more." So she kills him. Wow, that is retarded. At which point, Wonder Woman has decided that all men must be oppressed because they oppress because because they are clearly oppressive and cruel. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to I'm trying to work in a really obvious mirror joke, but I can't think of one because I'm too flabbergasted by how stupid this all is. <laughs> Like, this is like Captain America uh, fucking Hail Hydra stupid. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually worse than that because yeah. Captain America Hail Hydra was a plot point this ain't, this, for a this, significant this, portion of a story. This is a afterthought to explain away stuff that didn't make sense, which just makes it make less sense. Yeah, like, I could understand it, I could understand it a bit if, like, this, if, like, the fucking Amazonian society over the course of however many fucking centuries they've been around have become more fascistic. I think that's how you pronounce, I think that's how you say fascist-like. More fascist. I would just say more fascist. Yeah, yeah, like, I can can understand that, because, like, a fucking sealed-off fucking community of gorgeous white people hanging out and being race, being just like, yo, fuck this one group of people in particular. That is, that describes a huge chunk of fascist regimes. 
But, but yeah, just this, just this idea that the entire world and Amazonian society is exactly the same. It's just one woman is a bit more of a dick and then then become then like hates Nazis, so she's even more of a dick somehow. Well, so it's not even that she hates Nazis. It's that she feels jilted by Steve Trevor lying to her and using her. Ugh. Which is why I then have to connect all the story points together from the two games and this, where she was used by a man, so she hates men, except that one man she felt sorry for because he lost the woman he loved, so she wanted his D and helped him enslave the earth. Then it turns out that she thought, even though she was getting the D, he wasn't evil enough, so she compelled him to be more evil. So why didn't she get the yellow lantern ring? Because she's technically the one instilling fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I recognize your pain grunts, and does not compute. Yeah, no, it doesn't. This is this is. <laughs> I'm genuinely curious as like the behind the scenes decisions for this because. Everything else, there is an internal logic there that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, that's the thing. As I said before, I, 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 was, I, I don't know how well I kept that this was what I wanted to talk about from you. I've hinted at it a couple of times. But what I told you the first time I mentioned that I was going to do this rant is it's usually not a good idea for a series that has utterly ignored a plot problem to then address it. Because usually... When they address it, the writers think, oh, it can't be that big a deal. We can just write some throwaway thing to explain it. That'll make it make sense. Yeah, and usually like, that just makes it worse. Yeah, it's like, whoa, well, I didn't notice that it was there, so it must not be that big a problem. But then, no, then you write this, and it's just this fucking nightmare. Yeah, sounds bad. <laughs> so Felice Navi Dodd, y'all, Injustice so 2, available now. I actually still recommend the two games. Yeah, the games are No matter how much I hate this one plot point, yeah, I recommend the, games are the two good games and, like, and the comics again, for the most part. Yeah, like, the games are good, and mm-hmm. like I said, this book, like, this point aside, the books are good, too. I saw you can fight a swamp thing in number two, that's awesome. Yeah, like, there's, like, there's, like, li- there's, like... <laughs> There are moments in that first series that, like, genuinely affect me emotionally. Yeah, like, I keep coming back to the moment when Harley and Black Canary are fighting, and Black Canary finds out that... Uh, Harley finds out that Black Canary is pregnant and throws a bitch fit at Green Arrow. Yeah. Harley is, like, like, a, oh, Harley no. is like a really cool, like, insane aunt. That's, like, a really great understanding of a character. It's just... Wh- I can't think of any other reason why this one character makes no sense at all from what I know of the character in multiple versions than because they just didn't care. Which is shocking. And, like they put the they put a lot of work writers, into like writing these characters. Yeah. Like like Black Canary, fucking like Black Canary, uh Harley Quinn, fucking like goddamn uh Supergirl in Injustice 2. Like those are those are three like really well-written characters and none of them hold a candle to the legacy that Wonder Woman has. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. When Blue Beetle is better written than one of the holy trinity of DC characters, what the fuck? 
Do you think like a mandate came down from like editorial or like fucking nether realm that just said, hey, we wrote these bits for Wonder Woman, put them in there. It's like, but this doesn't line up with anything. Fuck you. I th- okay, th- here's the thing. I'm not going to blame the comics because the comics have to, aside from, a, like you said, a few minor contradictions, have to mostly line up with the storyline of the characters. And I just think the writers of, ne- of the NetherRealm's writers just didn't care about Wonder Woman. They wanted her to be evil, but they couldn't think of a good reason why. So they went with the Frank Miller excuse. Yeah. That she wants that Super D. <clears throat> Fuck this book. But at the same Fuck time. This entire writing decision. But at the same time, there's a scene where Lobo and Harley Quinn are hanging out, and Lobo looks back, she has a fake mustache, and I was like, hey, why do you have that mustache? And Harley's like, nobody should ever have to justify a fake mustache. And he's like, damn straight, and drives away in his motorcycle. (laughs) Again, if the rest of it was shit, I wouldn't hate this one thing as much as I do. Right. Yeah, it's Uh, it's an amplification of shit because everything else is really good. Well, this is a return of... uh, of uh, writer Tom Taylor to Injustice, correct? I think with number two. That I think so, yeah. Again. I find that his writing, like, remember when he did that fucked up thing with Iron Man? I think he kind of pushes the boundaries sometimes way too much and kind of is like, you know what, let's play around with this idea. And they're not always good ideas. But, <laughs> well, I mean, but that, that's the weird thing. It's pushing a single character in this multi fucking ensemble cast. And pushing her so far away. While everybody else is pushed in different directions, it makes yeah. sense. You can see where they came from and how they got there. I enjoyed some of his Injustice, the first series that he wrote, though. Like, I read, oh, no, like, I read in, a handful like, of Injustice issues. Injustice is good. It is a good book. It's just yeah. this one thing is so terrible that yeah. it doesn't make sense. Sounds, yeah, it sounds yeah, terrible. Yeah, and even, even um, the writer of uh, – even the artist on the book, uh, Campbell something, is actually really good. And mm-hmm. the then but uh, but this writer is fairly inexperienced, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not liking. Well, they work on some Injustice Two stuff and some DC Rebirth stuff. Some of the stuff they worked on is not stuff from the New Fifty Two. I want to go back to like she wrote issues of Superman Wonder Woman, Ugh. He, he, and the he, New Fifty Two Supergirl series. Well, he currently writes all new Wolverine, and that's been pretty solid. <sighs> But I can't just well, this speak is, for this. This, this sounds Taylor. terrible. This, is this isn't Tom Taylor. This is a different person. Oh, this isn't Tom Taylor. Oh, I thought no. he did write the Injustice. Sorry. He, he, wrote, he, wrote, a, he wrote a chunk he wrote of Injustice. It. This is a different writer probably asked by NetherRealms and DC to write oh, okay. an, an, an annual story to explain Wonder Woman's backstory in a way that makes sense ah. with the Injustice series. Unfortunately... You can't make sense of Wonder Woman's origin story in the Injustice series because you can't even line up her motivations across the two games. Mm, mm. So the end result is this aggravating, infuriating mess of character developments that are just like yeah, it sounds talk terrible. about talk about fucking Bechtel test failure. She literally has no motivation that is not defined by a man. Yeah, which it's is just... hilarious considering she wants to oppress all men. Yeah, it's like hey, yo, fuck men, Ooh. but like Superman, fuck me. <laughs> oh man <laughs> which is a shame because again like there are really well written women characters in this like like Harley Quinn is fucking amazing I like Harley in the, in the series yeah, she is she's so really fucking good. cool and like so fucking just really awesome with everything she does Black Canary even though she gets fucking got is great 
I still love that moment from the first series where she she was with Green Arrow and she 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 thought of that whole Arrow Cave thing. She's like, "Why don't you just call it the Quiver?" Yeah, it's a- and you just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it just drinks. I was like, "Welcome to the Arrow Cave." That's stupid. Like the Bat Cave makes sense because bats live in caves. Arrows don't live in caves. Yeah, like, yeah. Why do you call it the, why do you call it the Quiver? Or something I was like, hey, that is actually that better. Was brilliant. Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, that was pretty awesome when she, when they wrote her saying that to him. Yeah, like yeah. the whole relationship with the Harley uh, Black Canary and Green Arrow was one of my favorite yeah. parts of that book. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So to sum up, just bringing the muzzle. <laughs> Fuck! Just, I'm not putting a muzzle on my baby. Fuck every injustice decision regarding Wonder Woman. Yup. Every single one. Anyway, Dead Man. Okay. <laughs> so let's bring let's reel back the vitriol a bit. Shocking <laughs> for me, I know. Splendid. So let's talk about Batman, Creature of the Night. This looks good. It is good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so uh this book we mentioned it a little mentioned it like I think last episode of the episode before. Uh it was a little fucking uh, like splashed like teaser page for the fucking cover. Mm. Uh so yeah, uh, the story is being narrated by um Alton Frederick, the uncle of one Bruce Wainwright. A young boy obsessed with Batman. He reads Batman comics. He has a Batman breakfast cereal bowl. He wears Batman t-shirts. Whenever they go to the whenever they go to the zoo, he always goes to the Bat House. When he goes up for Halloween, he dresses up as Batman. He loves Batman. Uh, he lives with his two parents. Uh, they are both decent people. Like they are like nothing super spectacular, wealthy, and nothing fucking. And they're not living destitute. They are living like decent middle class life. Uh, he, he he hangs out with his uncle, who he calls Alfred, because his first name is Alton, last name Frederick, Alt, Alton Frederick, Alfred, Alfred. It makes sense to a child. So, one night when coming back from Halloween, uh, they come home and their house is being robbed. Uh, so, dad gets killed, mom gets killed, he gets shot. But he manages to survive, uh, waking up at the hospital meeting a police detective named Gordon Hoover. Because, you know, everything lines up for Batman because he goes crazy. And yeah, so uh, Alton uh, decides, like, Alton wants to, Alton, uh, his uncle, wants to, like, live with him and, like, raise him and stuff and keep him safe. But the courts determined that given the way he lives, that's not really an environment conducive to child rearing. So they put him in a boarding school. You know, the best place for children who just went through a tragedy. And over the course of it, Bruce just starts like going crazier and crazier and develops superpowers, I guess. Because every time he goes, every time he closes his eyes and like goes to sleep, he has dreams of a giant bat creature going out into the night and exacting revenge on the people who killed his parents. And those people end up turning themselves in or get or winding up dead. So, yeah, it's weird. This <clears throat> this is like uh, I like the sounds of this because it's almost like I heard it was from the same writer. Uh, what's his name? Kurt Busiek, who did the um, Superman's secret identity one where it's basically 
not Superman, but then he turns into Superman. So, like, this is almost like, I guess, like a reimagining of the character almost, but, like, it's not Batman yet. Yeah, like, th- like this, is, this, is, this is not a reimagining. This is a kid going crazy after suffering a tragedy because he loved Batman. Okay, but do you think it's going to go in the direction where he himself will be Batman, or is he just imagining him at this point? Or, like, is it, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, is something he like, is, he, he, like... The way that works is that every night he – like every day, like more and more things line up in a way that makes him think he could be Batman. Like his name is Bruce Wayne. Mm. Right. Mm. He lives in Boston, which according to him is a more accurate representation of what Gotham is. Right. Uh, as opposed to New York, which is – which in another different thing is also named Gotham. Uh, he – when he – when his parents get killed, he fucking talks to a cop named Gordon. Right. Uh, he, like, when he goes to, like, uh, all kinds of other shit happen that, like, kind of, like, line up in his head of, like, oh, hey, yeah, this is Batman. And he just starts going fucking crazier and crazier. Uh, but it's not really crazy because at a certain point he's, like, actually, these things are happening. Mm. Like, like, we see, yeah. like, we see, like, multiple times it cuts back to, um... It cuts back to the police department with everybody talking about all these co- all these fucking people turning themselves in, and and they and like all the criminals are mentioning the fact that they were attacked by a giant bat, mm. and like we see him out there like outside of fucking Bruce, and at a certain point, like Bruce actually straight up interacts with the thing that he dreams about, mm. and this is all in the uh, first issue. Yeah, that's that's pretty. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, I know. I was just trying to see if it was him basically just doing the same thing, but this sounds quite a bit different. Oh yeah, this is this is have you, this is a hmm. departure. Have either of you guys read Superman's Secret Identity? I don't think so. Or is it Secret Origin? There's one that Jeff Johns did. Secret that's not Origin. The one yeah, about. no, that, I've is read this, that one. That's really good, but it's hilarious because. Well, I talked. I don't know if you were on the show at this point, but I talked about this with Dead Man. That at the back of it, it has David S. Goyer explaining why this is such a great origin story and why he was so inspired by it when he wrote Man of Steel. That, <laughs> that's secret. That's secret origin. Yeah, that's Jeff Johns. That's the Jeff Johns. Okay, yeah, sorry. This secret is secret identity. Ide- yeah, secret identity yeah. is the forty-eight page prestige yeah. format written by Kurt Busiek. Yeah, that's the one. Because in that one, there's a kid whose name is Clark Kent in it. But he's not Superman, but then he ends up fucking becoming Superman or something. It's really weird. Like, it's, it's, but no, but it's really great. I remember well, really enjoying it. Kurt, Kurt Busiek wrote all, most of Astro City. So yeah, it's going to be a little weird. Okay. Yeah, right. th- th- yeah. This seems like, this seems like this is a secret identity style story. Yeah. No, I, li- I like Astro City too, from what I- I've read a bunch of it. Not, I'm not up to date, but. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I did too. Yeah. Like, I really like the, I really like that fucking. Um, I like Kirby Yeah. Yeah, yeah Kirby has a lot of really good ideas. He does a really good job of, especially in Astro City, finding workman logic for superpowers. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like in, in a world where gods and aliens and all kinds of horrible shit exist, what's a nine to five job look like? Mm hmm. And that was my favorite thing about that. Like, like the person who has like awesome telekinetic powers being a movie special effects artist, that was a fucking stroke of genius. Mm-hmm. Because instead of having to just like instead of having to like do weird camera shit or like go in and like after effects or whatever, if they want something to slow motion, they just blow it up and then she slows down all the pieces in the air, so they just do it all on camera. And then we also get some they also get people working at a fucking like 
We get people working at a goddamn like Justice League call center. Mm. Astro City was cool. Yeah, it's still going. I mean, the new, I mean, the newer relaunch of it. They, they, they just keep years. doing new series. Yeah. It's not an ongoing. They just keep making new Astro City series. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. This seems like it is uh, along the along the lines of uh, Secret Identity, where the superhuman, the, the super the superhero characters that these that are like main guys are kind of based on. They do exist, mm. and they have a huge impact on their lives. But then. As it happens, things turn less from a things turn from a story about people living in a world where these characters exist, inspired by these characters, to people becoming weird, fucked up versions of these characters. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds really good. Yeah, Batman: Creature of the Night. It is the first issue is out uh, right now. It is real fucking good. This is almost um, in the again in the same vein of the next book I'm going to talk about. Like there, I like how DC is focusing on these smaller mini series, like more prestige, like back to almost like the prestige formats, like you just talked about Secret Denny, all that of these stories out of continuity that they're be they're telling with just a great artist writer team. Yeah, like I like how they're focusing on doing that again with certain books. Also, uh, I and, feel like I should yeah. say just uh, for just to give him props, uh, art was done by um, Jean Paul Leon. Oh yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this was a conscious choice, but it looks like he made um, this uh, Bruce Wainwright's uncle look kind of like Jeremy Irons, hmm. who played Alfred in the DC right. EU movies. Right. It's probably inten- it might be intentional, or I might just be seeing things that I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> we'll find out. Probably intentional. <laughs> also, yeah. a more British Alfred would somehow make more sense in the next DC animated movie that's coming out. <laughs> Since they're going Gotham by Gaslight next. Oh, man. I really hope Jeremy Irons in, in some capacity comes back as Alfred because he's really good as Alfred. He's one of the better ca- uh, casting choices they've made in those movies. Yeah, he is good as that. Yeah, he's also one of the Batman side casting people who hasn't been fucking accused of being a horrible sex criminal. Yes, that's true. <laughs> So good on you, Jeremy Irons. Hopefully no allegation comes out immediately after we finish recording this that that negates everything I just said nice about you. (laughs) Anyway, Nico. All right. Um, So, yeah, as I was just saying about them taking chances on uh, letting art like artists, you know, writer teams. And in this case, just a uh, artist slash writer, uh, Batman White Knight, Sean Murphy. Uh, this is number three of the eight issue miniseries that they're doing, kind of like a out of continuity, Elseworlds type tale. This is getting uh, weird. You will. Yeah. So we talked about the last issue, I think the second issue, and Birdie, you weren't on the show. I don't know. Did did you you said you were planning on reading this? You got the first couple. Did you want me kind of just to rehash sort of kind of what happened with Dead Man first, or did you did you listen to that? Uh, I don't remember hearing Dead Man talk about White Knight. So okay, no, I, I remember I ended up talking about it, but it was basically so. So basically, in the first issue of this Batman White Knight, um, Batman uh, beats the shit out of the Joker brutally after like chasing him down, kind of like you know, like the normal thing, this whole Batman Joker type feud that they always had, and it's the whole this the old thing where Joker's like, you know, you need me, I need you type thing, we need each other, fucking all this kind of thing, and he corners him and. He he just he brutally just beats the shit out of him and takes all these pills that he had and shoves them down his throat, makes him like choke on these pills, and, and all these people around 
basically are taking pictures and broadcasting this because, you know, this is the world that we live in today. And it kind of just spreads like wildfire and Batman in the media. A lot of people start hating him and kind of ignoring the fact that he's been protecting them from the Joker for all these years because they felt that the way that he treated them and basically what went down was was horrible. And then Jack Napier, uh, who basically is the Joker in the first Tim Burton Batman movie, comes back. Joker gets cured from the pills that he shoves down his throat, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and he stops being insane, and he comes back as Jack Napier, and basically is almost like uh, reintroducing himself, basically, to 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 the world as now not being the Joker, and trying to use all this bad press that Batman has got to basically go around town and become almost like a socialite that kind of like Bruce Wayne was, but basically starts drumming up all the criminals to work for him. But now that he's technically sane, uh, he's got like a more clear vision of how he want, kind of wants to take down Batman as opposed to fighting him as the Joker. Um, now, the art's great. Like, if you're familiar with Sean Murphy, I really, really love Sean Murphy's art. So, like, again, without going on and on about that because to get that out of the way put it to the side for a second the thing that me and dead man talked about the last uh two issues which i i think you'd agree dead man we talked about it i was just really impressed with it how he's progressed as a writer like i think oh yeah he's been he's been doing like really well with this book yeah he's done a fine job like a interesting reimagining and the the biggest thing that happened out of the second issue was the fact that he establishes the fact that there's actually two Harleys. There's the Harley now that we're used to, which is like the slutty kind of almost suicide squad, suicide squad type Harley, like the big busty blonde one. And then the one from his, uh, past who is the original Harley that basically had, was taken over by this imposter, the animated series classic Harley comes to the door, basically punches the, punches out <laughs> the other Harley. Yeah, who's like, basically what's good, bitch? Taken, yeah, Tate has been basically taken her place. And then when Jack Napier sees her, he, he remembers, like, she's like, yeah, you lost track. You were so crazy at some point. You were so obsessed with Batman. I basically left you because I'm like, I need to get out of this life. And um, she kind of went on and did her own thing and kind of tried to, you know, play this straight and narrow. And when that happened, this other woman came into his life who was basically the new Harley. So he smartly kind of does this thing where he puts to the forefront how most people love the classic Batman animated series Harley and and remove the other one. But somehow it made it fucking work where he has two Harleys in the same universe. I don't know. He did a really, really good fucking job of yeah, it. I know but, it sounds yeah, it's, really it's stupid. Just, it's mainly just because like he leaned in super hard to the idea that Joker does not give a fuck about Harley. Right. And didn't even notice. And it was so fucking crazy. There was a total other person there the whole time that he was just kind of having sex with and whatever. And like, be, and like, be honest, <laughs> that makes sense. That is that is the most like plausible thing about like the whole Joker I Joker Harley relationship. Yeah, it makes much Bernie. more sense than than uh, Suicide Squad's move. The movie. Mm. Well, most things make more sense than Suicide Squad. 
the the actually the tipping point that I forgot to mention for her, her uh, Harley was the the original uh, was the fact that she came into him beating the shit out of um, uh, what's his name Jason um, Todd Jason Todd in the basement tied up to a chair which is you know again bringing the fact that he killed him but all they said is that he went missing like she never knew where the body was she didn't see him kill him but she basically just ran out of there because she's like that was the breaking point like I had enough at that point when I came into the house yeah and seen you doing yeah, it's like, it's like up kid. to a certain up to a certain point, uh, she was just mainly doing this for fun. Like, yeah, they were doing crimes and stuff, and like, right, whatever. they were in love. But but they yeah. like I wasn't even in love. It was just like, yeah, this is like the fucking. It was the adrenaline of what was happening. Right, right. But then she's like, oh, this got real. Yeah. So when he comes back as Jack Napier, he uh, she comes back to him and basically throws the other one out. And now with this third issue, which I was ta- uh, that just came out a couple weeks ago, that I'm talking about now, the newest of the, the series, um, this basically further explores the fact that that Harley is now now basically the Joker. Uh, this, the issue opens up with her in the joke shop, I guess they used to hang out in, and her kind of putting on clothes, putting on makeup, basically saying like like reimagining herself as a female version of the Joker is what Sean Murphy is going for now. And she's basically going to try to get revenge for the way he treated her by throwing her out. And, and now that this other Harley's back in the picture, et cetera, et cetera. And, and basically, <clears throat> and, and all the bad guys are, are a diversion in this issue. Um, and Sean Murphy, we talked about this. Um, he's, he, he kind of shows the reimaginings, the way he drew all of the kind of villains, uh, really cool ideas, like the ventriloquist. Not like, I mean, it's not like a huge, deal like i mean he changes he's he's a black man in this and the dummy's black and uh, and they just and a lot of the characters just look different like you can almost not tell certain characters are those characters we're having a hard time kind of figuring out like croc looks different and like yeah croc Bane. looks more like an actual fucking crocodile yeah like he, just the way he made like a bunch of uh, the characters kind of look like his reimagings and then in this third issue roxy rocket from the animated series is in it like you see batgirl uh flicker off of the rocket at one point she starts flying it around as they're fighting yeah like, i'm always <laughs> so, wanting to ride this thing yeah um so he's really just take if you like love the batman animated series i think you, you'll find something to love in this like he's really just plucking out a lot of the good material and things that he wants to play with out of Batman the Animated Series, uh, even Batman the movies, the older ones, uh, because there's a lot of this that kind of even reminds me of, like, the Tim Burton Batman, the Jack Napier, Napier part, and even some of the, I think, the design of the car in this one, I felt like, was kind of reminding me of... Uh, of those Tim Burton Batman movies. I, I don't know, like, he's he's... It seems like he's taking parts of a bunch of parts of different Batman lore and different versions of Batman and just playing with all the fun stuff that he likes and, and kind of just throwing it all in a pot and reimagining it in his own style in this kind of Elseworlds tale. And it's working for me. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. Um, the one thing, the one complaint I have now for this third issue, um, a choice I did not enjoy was Alfred dies. Yeah. I did not like that. Uh, basically, he comes in, beat the shit out of because he, tra- he the bad guys are creating a diversion because they've all teamed up together while Jack, Jack Napier is uh, looting some office for some sort of document that's supposed to change everything about Gotham's past that he's going to reveal, I guess. We don't know what that's all about yet, but 
But basically, um, they're creating a diversion. Batman uh, has a library fall on him that's actually uh, Jake, Jack Napier uh, owns – uh, that he thought that they would never destroy, but to his mistake, uh, he, he was mistaken, and the library ends up collapsing on him. He goes into the Batcave, uh, bloodied and beat up, almost dead, and uh, and Alfred from the previous issue is also like hooked up to IV, like in the Batcave, like he's in a hospital bed, he's in rough shape as well. And um, he passes out in a pool of blood in front of him as he kind of, you know, comes to see him, and he hooks him up to the machine and lets himself die. Like he and he basically saves Bruce so he uh like by hooking him up to yeah, the machine it's, that he was it's a real to. it's a real Alfred move and I could see it right. coming and I could see it coming like the way that they've been like kind of the way Sean Murphy's been kind of writing this Batman as <clears throat> being just like this what if Batman lost everything people liked about him? Right. You're right. For that reason, it adds to the – because the other thing, Bertie, is at the start of the first issue, you'll also find out at the very opening, like the cold opening, is uh, Jack walking into Arkham Asylum and him actually seeing Batman in there. Yeah, I, I saw that Joker. bit. That was right. in promos. Mm-hmm. So, so, so obviously the Alfred thing leads to him, I'm sure, like – everyone leaving him because even dick and barbara are talking about how they uh, their problems with bruce in this issue as they're sitting yeah yeah barbara's sitting there screaming like like alfred was his moral center now it's a fight between bruce and us yeah like these are all kind of things that you've seen in batman that's not the first time they've turned their back on each other and they've come back together or whatever but like i think he's definitely playing with tropes that have been used before but i think he's using them well and combined with the great art and the fact that it's been well written so far i i've really enjoyed it he also uh duke actually shows up in this as a reimagined character as well uh working yeah with he's the joke he's just some yes. fucking thug hanging out saying like yo fuck batman yeah, that was I thought was an interesting choice. He's yeah. Lieutenant Duke Thomas. He used to be a ex marine or something. I think like that. Yeah, he former former serviceman. Of... Then he fucking yeah. left that and went back to a street where the cops fuck him. Where the cops fucking hate him because he's black. Mm. Because so, you know, because so, you know, topical. I know. I kind of thought that was not the best choice because he basically just made him look like a like a street justice thug with a bunch of like dealers on the corner type of thing. Yeah, rolling around, <laughs> rolling around with like two hoodies and a bandana. Yeah, so maybe that was a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to go for one there, thing. But... One thing that is kind of new in this book that is something I did not expect. Uh, Clayface is actually <clears throat> yes. a brain, two eyeballs, and yeah. a tongue inside the clay. <laughs> I know, so yeah, I know you weren't a fan of that actually when we talked about it last time. You you weren't you thought it was a bit of a stretch for the Mad Hatter's card to actually be inserted into the brain of Clayface and then distributed the clay to everyone, so Joker basically controlled all of the. Bad yeah, it's guys the, it's way. this fucking weird idea yeah. <laughs> where like Joker's plan involves putting putting a mind control card inside Clayface's brain, then feeding Jarvis, everybody yeah. else bits of Clayface so that he can control them using Mad Hatter tech. So it's so he becomes the stuff. Exactly. He becomes yeah, yeah. Fucking goddamn motherfucking Clayface becomes the stuff. <laughs> but then Harley, the 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 second Harley, the Suicide Squad Harley, if you want to call her, or this new Joker, the Neo Joker, as they call her. That, that's true. That's what Jarvis. Yeah, what uh, what's his name? Matt Hatter calls her. Yeah, uh, or Jervis, whatever his fucking name is. Uh, Jervis Tetch. Tetch, yeah. So she she walks in at the end and she sees him kind of in the corner, 
and he explains, and she walks over, and that's when she pulls out the brain out of Clayface, who basically just falls apart. And then she walks into a room with all of the villains that he kind of rounded up that were previously controlled, and now they're kind of all standing there frozen because I guess now he's lost the control of them. Now she's taken the brain. I don't know. So, so we, so whatever's going to happen next, it looks like Harley's basically going up against uh, Jack now to take revenge on on him. So, so yeah, it. I mean, there's still five issues to go. It's about three issues in the eight issue series. Like I said, the art's great, and and it has been really interesting. And it, and I. I like Elseworlds for the most part. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about another one soon on the show, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> which I haven't read. But um, I really have enjoyed this so far. I, I think if I think if you like, it's just a really different, interesting Bat- Batman stuff. I know we talk about. I've, I somewhat talk about uh, as a whole the comic community Batman a lot, especially on this show. But there's a lot of good Batman stuff going on right now. Yeah, there, 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 there really is between Tom King's Batman. You got this. You got the Batman Ninja Turtles that just came back. Um, yeah, I mean they're, they're making it. They're import. It's very important to have good Bat books out, and sometimes they're all just mediocre. Um, I think there's a lot of really solid ones out right now. So, um, I mean, Detective, Detective's great. We've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So but yeah, Batman White Knight definitely worth checking out if you haven't yet. Alrighty then, Birdie. Yeah. All right, let's get the uh, other weird one out of the way first, since I have to explain this to Nico. Uh, <clears throat> so, Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir. <laughs> yes. So, for those who don't know, Miraculous is a children's CG animated show about two superheroes, um, Ladybug, who has the power of luck, and uh, Cat and uh, Cat Noir, or Chat Noir in, in, in the native French, uh, who, who has the power to destroy anything he touches. Oh, is this that thing that's on Netflix now? Probably. It is on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. it has I, a stupid good it has like a stupid rabid fan base. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. from what, and from what I understand, a loose grasp on story structure? Yeah. Because My buddy at work uh, was okay, saying that so his kid loves this. I I laugh at this series. I enjoy it, but I laugh at it because okay, it decides it the first season is 25 episodes it doesn't decide to hit plot until 24 <laughs> wow oh wow <laughs> and that wouldn't be so bad if there was like a sense of serialized storytelling but aside from the fact that all the characters are the same there doesn't seem to be really that much development across storyline between characters or anything, so it's just episodic. Yeah. And also, the best way to describe this series, and it's similarly described on Netflix, is if you took, I don't know, this might go over Nico's head, I don't know. If you took Sailor Moon Mm. and crossed it with a gender-flipped Spider-Man. Yeah, Okay. I know Sailor Moon and I know Spider Man. <laughs> like it's not going in my head, it's just that is a That's a weird reference, sure, yeah. That's <laughs> a description, all right. Like does does Chat Noir run out of the house? Does like Cat Noir run out of the house with a piece of toast in his mouth late for school? Yeah. Fuck me. Is are all the villains 
half evil energy that they're trying to yes <laughs> oh, oh okay well there yeah, you go th- that is one, a good description one of the villains try to like <laughs> try to like drain the soul of women by giving them like really good shopping deals um that is a sailor moon plot <laughs> that's the funny thing no there's a villain who whose whole thing is lying so she's a fox who creates illusions is there a point where a villain from Ladybug's past comes back, tries to kill her, and shove her into her own grave, where she then punches her way out of it, becoming an ancestral Ladybug demon creature? No. Because <laughs> that's a Spider-Man plotline, everybody. Yeah. Does Ladybug main- ever give birth to herself? <laughs> Not up to this point, although... Okay. Does she kill Cat Noir by giving him cancer through her radioactive ovaries? <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun to explain to Dead Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just pulling out all the all right. stupid Spider-Man things I can. Yeah, and some of them are not far off because the, the basic premise of most of the episodes is that Marinette, our titular ladybug, uh, is in love with the teenage supermodel at her school named Adrian who they are who is also secretly Cat Noir. Cat Noir is in love with Ladybug, but Ladybug finds him a brain jackass and just tries to ignore him. Yeah, but and both of them together. wear domino masks but can't tell each other apart out of costume. Yes. And they are also both possessed by abstract concepts. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, this is this is the weird thing that the comet goes into that the series does not. The Miraculouses, which is the source of their magical girl transformation powers, are are sentient concepts. This is like some Grant Morrison shit. <laughs> yeah. Is the Brotherhood so, of Dada in this? I don't know. <laughs> it, they they have to go down to the core of the earth to destroy a trash monster that's rotting the earth. Is this the is this the origin of the painting that ate Paris? I don't know. <laughs> Since it is set in Paris. Well, the first the first two issues are set in Paris. In the third issue, a version of the Avenger League transports them to New York. The fuck's the Avenger League? Uh, okay, so I need to explain this because believe it or not, the first three the first three issues of this comic have more plot than the entire ser- TV series up to this point. Wow. <laughs> like I said, okay. like I said, a loose grip on story structure. Why is this popular? <laughs> because get I fucked. Think, I think because I don't want to make this joke because it sounds racist, but I think it's because it's weird in French. Oh, fuck the French! I don't care. <laughs> but it, but it's not—it's not really racist. Like it—it it is weird, and it is French. <laughs> yeah, I don't really. Just care. stating facts isn't racist. Just because we're Canadian doesn't mean that you can't make fun of French people, all right? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I don't care. What's weird is that the comic seems self-aware of the jokes about it being super French. Because in the third issue, when they're in New York... Um, okay, so an aspect of the powers of the two main characters is that if they're oh. in their powered forms too oh. long, they have to... Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. They, 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 they can't stay in their powered forms too long or else they change back. And they since they don't know who each other are, they keep having to disappear away from each other to hide. So they tell the Avenger League 
to that they need about 10 minutes alone to t- talk about something to which one of them says god so french baguette français au revoir fuckos Okay, so I actually have to try to explain the plot. <laughs> you still haven't explained what the Avenger League is. Yeah, what okay, is that? so um, at the end of one of their random encounters with these people possessed by evil manifestations of their own inner thoughts, uh, a superhero opens a door and pulls them both through it. Okay. They are now in New York, where we meet this consortium of what I think are parodies of American superheroes. They are led by the black female Captain America, I'm fairly certain, Uh, and they also include Batman if he were Owlman. Uh, (laughs) What? Like not into not the not the uh, El, not the Elseworlds character like uh, was it night, so he's uh, Night sorry, Owl yeah yeah Night Owl, <laughs> but he acts like uh, animated series Batman. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and uh, there's a Wonder Woman who kind of looks like well she well she looks well she looks more like um. Cassie, what's what's the Wonder Girl? Cassie, uh, Cassie Sandmark. Sand, Cassie Sandmark, with like a blue dress sweatpants combo, but with like the W across the dress. <sighs> then there's this other guy who I can't tell if he's Iron Man or Spider Man because he's a clearly a tech guy who does nothing but this, snark. This is... <laughs> oh fucking Christ! And then there's Doorman. Just straight Door up Doorman? Man. Yeah, his thing is he opens doors to different dimensions and times. Oh, that's kind of cool, different spaces. Actually. Okay, I'm not sure if you guys... Doorman is a character in Great Lakes Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doorman is just straight up like a real superhero who exists, who is whose ability is to open doors. <laughs> Like actually, just open doors for people, or uh, no? He no, he like fucking <laughs> oh, to other dimensions. He's, like, yeah, he's he capable of teleporting to, oh, someone yeah. anywhere with the limitation that it has to be in the next room with his own body serving mm-hmm. as the portal as a portal of sorts. Mm-hmm. So he literally becomes a door. Yeah, it's not not quite that literal. That's I don't know what that is, but um, yeah, Isn't there uh, somebody on planetary that was like that too. You ever read that comic? The Warren Ellis one? I don't think so. Or Authority? One of those ones. I think there was somebody like that. Anyway, sorry. Go on, Birdie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so the – I'm calling the the Avenger League because it's a mixture of Justice League and Avengers. That's not what they're literally called. I just don't know what else to call them. <laughs> and the Avenger League discovers that New York – calls – Ladybug and Cat Noir from Paris to help them deal with a trash monster that's destroying New York down to its foundations. I don't know how they know about Ladybug and Cat Noir, but whatever. Huh. 
And the okay, so as far as I've read, and I have seen no evidence of when they're releasing a fourth issue. Ladybug and Cat Noir have just gone down to the chasm, the magma chasm beneath New York to destroy the core of the trash monster. You know, like you do. I'm serious. The more you say it, the more I'm seriously thinking that whoever wrote this might have spent a few hours with Grant Morrison because this sounds too much like a Grant Morrison idea. <laughs> I feel like Ugh. at some point, I feel like at some point we just kind of like reduced, like we re- like got reached this weird like point of reduction for Grant Morrison where we're not even talking about things that are like Grant Morrison anymore. It's just if it's weird. Oh yeah, Grant Morrison. <laughs> Maybe, but like weird in a way that strangely makes sense, but you just can't justify it. Well, to be fair, I'm gonna call. I'm gonna be talking about something later that is Grant Morrison. It doesn't fucking feel like Grant Morrison. <laughs> it's so yeah. Grant Morrison is a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is like the Flatman paradigm, Dead Man. He has ascended to a higher plane of existence, and we only see facets of it. We try to explain it, but we only get pieces of the full picture. No one will ever fully understand Grant Morrison. <laughs> yeah, no one can witness the full brilliance of Morrison without going blind or crazy oh yeah remember uh whom gods destroy yeah well, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love how nico beat you to that brave aneurysm after finish after finishing writing that book chris claremont just came out of the woods with bandages over his eyes and blood pouring out of his mouth honestly i haven't take, been taken down by a book that bad since i've joined this podcast but that's the one that made me crack <laughs> It was, uh, it was, it was like, shocking how bad it was. <laughs> like, we paired that up yeah. against some pretty bad books, but, like, that one. Well, the thing is, b- because it was also by Chris Claremont, the Chris Claremontian fucking let me explain to you what's happening in this scene while the characters talk it out about what's going on in this fucking scene was the whole four-issue oversized issue <laughs> series. Like, it was it was so, so, oh, four my God. Four-sixty-issue, yeah. four-sixty-page issues. Oh, no, my God. Like, that is one of the worst comics I've ever read, and I hadn't heard of it before Birdie mentioned it. Yeah. Like, that's the, That's the amazing thing. This is a garbage fucking comic about three of the about fucking the most popular characters in DC, written by one of the written by one of like the most well known writers in fucking comics. And I just heard about it for the first time from Birdie. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, I mean, the whole reason X Men are popular is because of him, absolutely. Like, but it's just. His dialogue just does not hold up at all. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's like so. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, but uh, so getting back to what we were actually talking about. Um, yeah. So I another guess. thing that kind of bothers me about mar- the Miraculous TV series is that Deadman and I are both kind of on the same page on this. Full CG shows still can't really work. Yep, they're bad. Like, some CG movies can work, because they have the budget to kind of make it ridiculous, lifelike and ridiculous, like the Pixar stuff or something like that. But most CG shows and such, they're Mm -hmm. either too stiff or too rubbery. And this Mm -hmm. goes way more in the too rubbery side of things, where everyone's moving constantly, flapping everything, no one can stop moving. (laughs) Yeah, just about. And Oh, fuck. But... 
But um, the comic series that's a tie-in, which, as far as I can tell, no one who talks about this series has ever heard of, is traditionally drawn. And looking at the... I, I posted um, the link for one of the issues in it, the one with the Avenger League in it, for you guys to look at. And looking mm, at it... I'm looking at it. I kind of wish it looked like this. Yeah, like, yeah, it looks like, art-wise, it, art yeah. this looks really good. Like, like art yeah. direction-wise, that show isn't terrible. It's just the CG of it. Yeah. Also, but, I feel like I should mention... Um, so, the character who is basically Night Owl is named Night Owl. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he has a sidekick named Birdie. Yes. He kind of looks like Nighthawk from fucking Marvel, though. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that Squadron Supreme guy? Or yeah, he what, rip- is that his name? He, he, he's a ripoff of three different versions of Batman. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's an amalgamation. Yeah. Oh, and this other chick looks like um, what's her name? Captain Marvel? Or yeah, what, yeah, no, that looks like Carol. Hell? Yeah, Captain Marvel with a weird dress slash unitard version of the Wonder Woman costume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. This is something. But the art does look good. I'll give it yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, Brian, Brian Hess has not worked on too much art-wise. The, hilariously enough, he worked on a series called Artful. Which I, I've never heard of, but I just love that the joke of a pencil or because he depenciled and drew and colored this, so he did all of it. The thing that I'm mm. most familiar with that he's done is Zombie Tramp, and that's not really a good thing. Oh, <laughs> don't yes, that I, is, that's I, terrible. Don't fucking talk about Zombie Tramp. I know of it. I've never read it though. Thank neither have I. But why the fuck <laughs> yeah, would I? But I know of it. They released but, fucking yeah, nine I, different variant covers that are the same cover, but with yeah. different levels of censoring. That's also Action Lab, though, the producer of this comic, yeah. it looks yeah. like. Yeah, but, like, everything about this comic kind of fixes a lot of the major problems I have with the TV series. It explains okay. its mythos, it has serialized storytelling, it develops its characters, and it has an art style that's kind of pleasant to look at, that you could see as being fun for kids, which is what the series is meant for. Because if yeah. you're going for the Sailor Moon crowd, you're not aiming really above, like, 13 or 14 most of the time. Yeah, this is, is this ain't some fucking like heady deconstruction of children's cartoons here. This is just straight up what it is. Yeah, which is why I've, while I don't like the show very much, I kind of like reading this as dumb as it is. Although again, you have, you kind of have to watch one episode to understand what's going on, but not the whole series. It, I guess that's a good thing about there being so little plot in the show that you could watch one episode and figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I will have a hard time getting out of my head going in if I ever watch the TV series again, the idea that the girl in the ladybug print unitard is possessed by the literal embodiment of creation. <laughs> oh wow, this is retarded. <laughs> but it's the kind of retarded I can kind of enjoy. And this got big how? <laughs> We just can't figure it out. Like, why is this popular? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. No, but it's funny because as soon as you mentioned it, I didn't know what you were talking about. But then as you went into it, I was like, oh, yeah, my, my buddy from work, is, he was telling me his daughter loves this cartoon. Like, he actually I seen him purchasing the comic. And I was like, I, what is, I can I'm like, what is that? I can see little girls liking this series. 
But mm. okay, so if they're going to purchase the comic, I hope they purchase this one because the other one isn't okay. I'm 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 getting sick of some comics doing this. I don't know if you've noticed this, Dead Man comics, which are just literally panels from shows. Oh, uh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So there's another miraculous TV series, which is just miraculous comic book, which is just panels from the CG TV series made static in a comic book. Oh, I don't know that why the disgusting. hell you would do that. That's that's not only cheap; it's it makes what was passable ugly. Yeah, like well, like is, is there are there any like scenes they get where they didn't like pause it or like frame it right, so they got the fucking motion blur of going in between frames? Yeah, some. Jesus, I was joking mostly. <laughs> fuck me, that is what the fuck. But yes, if your friend asks you, tell him some some weird guy on the internet said that the hand drawn <laughs> one is actually worth reading. <laughs> get it, get his daughter the hand drawn one, not the support one actual just- comics. Sorry, so so the link that you sent here is this all there is so far is three issues uh, that, today. That the, there's three issues currently. Ah, uh, so he definitely bought her the fucking shitty one because it was a trade that he picked. Oh, up. Fuck oh me. yeah, the, that's the CG. Panels yeah, one. it was like ten bucks. It was like that's, so that's, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. considering she must have watched it on Netflix. That's a waste of time and that's money. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's like Daddy, I've him. already seen this, and it was better when it was moving. <laughs> Yeah, daddy, daddy, why does this look like hot shit? <laughs> That's called the money grab. <laughs> oh my, I'm looking at some of it, and this is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, no, like, the other one, I, I I, don't know. I hate that even Marvel did this. Marvel did this with, like, some of their other children's cartoons that they turned into, like, just comic book panels. It aggravates me to no end that they do this. If you're going to make a tie-in, do something original. Don't just literally take panels from a motion thing and make it un- non-motion. Look at that, Nico. Look at that yeah. and tell me that a god exists. Yeah, that looks fucked up. Like it's yeah, especially that's... fucked it's especially fucked up because like for one thing it's disgusting. Just like the look of it. <laughs> like right. look of it. I don't know what emotion any of these characters are supposed to be feeling. And this is what the animation looks like in the cartoon. Yeah. Like, so just imagine it, this moving. It, yeah. This. It, yeah. So this is would but be moving, but like there is really this, rubbery. There is this bizarre disconnect that I have seeing this fucking art with regular comic speech bubbles in it, mm. and and like and like fucking regular onomatopoeia stuff. This is the there is this giant disconnect that is like hurting my brain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because well, here's the thing. Computer-generated imagery, for the most part, was designed for motion. Particularly, like, and when, when you design something for motion, you don't then just take static shots of it and put it on a page like it will then make sense. Yeah, like, Troll Hunter looks... <laughs> like, Troll Hunter is not a great-looking show. It looks worse in fucking stills. <laughs> and this is just that fucking problem amplified by some order of magnitude... I just don't think that oh. you copy and pasting images from a cartoon constitutes actual comic book art, and it kind of goes against everything we enjoy comic book art. So please, Nico, if you see that friend again, please tell him what I said. I will said. warn him. Yeah, I didn't know this. 
This is a I'll fucking bastardization of sequel of, of fucking sequential storytelling. <clears throat> well, that's why I asked because I didn't actually look through it. I just seen that there was only three issues that you sent me of this series, and I was like, "Oh, that's not possible." Then if he bought this one, this makes yeah. me want to fucking go to the animation studio and just take a fucking power drill to all their hard drives. <laughs> Yeah. Just like, yo, I'm going to shit in all your processors so that you can't fucking make this garbage again until you spend more money. Because get fucked, you pieces of shit. Like, oh my god, this is horrendous. Yeah, it looks pretty, yeah. And like, I'm not even talking about just like, look anymore. Like, look at, looking at it, it looks like a fucking fever dream I think I had once that I woke up from a cold sweat from and pissed myself. Yeah. So, I mean... The TV series is not good, but it has its charms. This strips away even those charms, so you're left with nothing. <laughs> you're left with nothing but the worst elements of the show amplified to near-ungodly levels. And I didn't even mean to talk about this. I wanted to talk about the comic that's an improvement on the TV series, not this piece of shit. <laughs> you, you knew this was going to... You knew this had... You had to know this was happening, because this... Yeah. This is so bad, we can't not talk about it. Yeah, because but like, okay. So, do either of you watch Zero Punctuation? Oh fuck yeah! No. Okay, so a couple of years ago, when he did his worst of for 2013, he didn't include Ride to Hell Retribution. Because it's list. not a video game. Yeah, because he said it's not a game; it's congealed failure. That's what this is. <laughs> like, this is taking something that was not particularly good to begin with and having no creative creativity, no thought, no planning at all, and just copy and pasting still frames onto a page. God, this makes Battle Angel Alita look fucking, like, like not creepy by comparison. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, like... The problem for me, a lot of it rests with the eyes. The eyes look too... The eyes have too much non-life in them, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, because, like, without... Okay, so... Line work in comics is very essential, because a lot of times, even if you draw the image that you want to draw, particularly with the eyes, without the line work, you sometimes can't tell what emotion is supposed to be conveyed. And yeah. a lot of subtle line work is what you get out of good artists. With this, all the emotion is conveyed by movement, not static images. So when you just do random static images, you have no idea what emotion is supposed to be conveyed. So you might as well be watching a stitched together scrapbook. Yeah, like on the page that I sent uh, Nico and Birdie with this, um, there there is a panel. Like so, there's a so it's a five panel page. Uh, first panel, dude crumpled a piece of paper. Second panel, a dude holding a piece of paper and his hand is blurry. Yeah. And there's and there's a garbage can in frame. Third panel, he's walking away. Paper is gone. Like they couldn't have fucking they couldn't have fucking like stopped it and screen capped it when the paper was in motion out of his hand into the trash can. Yep. No, I. And then the final panel is like fucking goddamn like New Fifty Two Green Lantern eyes level creepy. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I feel like I'm gonna wake up one night and see that thing outside my window just going staring at me. Yeah, and then no, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, all my hair is gonna be white, and I'll live five years shorter. Yeah, but yeah, no, oh. it's weird that uh, talking about a comic I actually kind of liked turned into talking about something worse than what the good comic spawned off from. 
I didn't in me I didn't really mean to talk about two bad comics tonight, but I guess that's it's, what happens. It's podcasting, dude. Things happen. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so before so, we move uh, on to a bad comic again. <laughs> let's talk about the Jetsons. Oh, is this another one of the DC Hanna Barbera tie-ins? Yeah, yeah, the newest. Yeah, the this, newest this, this, the, this is the newest, most fucking awesome one, and it is pretty good. I like it. Really? Yeah. It's, okay. It's, 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 this is not a. This is not anywhere close to like the best <laughs> of what this fucking brand has offered. Cause, okay, because remember there was that whole rosy thing we were kind of iffy on. Like you were like, "What the fuck?" Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it it's like, still it's yeah. still weird as hell. But like they're mentioning it, they're talking about it, mm-hmm. and like. And like it, and like it, it actually has like impact on the fucking characters. Okay, go on. So yeah, uh, for those who don't know, there was a there's an issue that was released, uh, like a little like one uh, one off kind of thing that was like a backdoor pilot for this, where George Jetson's mom was dying. She was really old, and she was and she was about to die. So what she did was she had her brain digitized and uploaded into a robot that then became Rosie the robot made from the Jetsons. This book picks up right where that leaves off, where Rosie is now like George's mom is now living as a robot, just kind of hanging out, helping the family, doing whatevs. Okay. Uh, and they have gone in, and they have gone in out of their way to like make the thing, make the thing not just a fifty sitcom button space. Uh, like George is still working at fucking Spacely Sprockets or whatever, doing his mm-hmm. doing his fucking work. He still takes Astro the dog out for walks. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Elroy is, uh, you know, he's he's going to he's going to school and stuff. Uh, he has himself a little girlfriend, kind of girlfriend, but not really. And he kind of sets the plot in motion. Uh, Judy, his daughter, uh, she is. She is um like recording and mapping her dreams in order to stitch together a narrative based on her subconscious. And then Judy is uh sorry, a uh, daughter Jane his wife. I had to, mm-hmm. I, I was actually singing this I was actually singing yeah, the theme song in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she is part of some kind of like she's part of Jane, some like she's part of some wife. like huge research group that is like out in the stars like examining threats coming to Earth or something, like talking about a fucking meteor that's going to come and destroy the planet or something. <laughs> Just something weird like that. Some some big, like, important science thing. Mm. Okay. Meanwhile, George, meanwhile, George, you know, like I said, he's doing what he do. He's doing fucking, he's doing fucking, like, work for Spacely, and Spacely's treating him like shit. Like, in the second issue, uh, he is inside this fucking machine or whatever, uh, working on it, trying to like get things set up, and then he gets attacked by a bunch of rainbow-colored electro electro chameleons, which is the, which is the security system for this machine. Okay. Yeah, so that puts him. So that like fucks him up a bit. Uh, sends him to the hospital. Uh, he ends up. He gets home, or I guess is is a uh, release from the hospital. At which point, a bunch of fucking buildings that are floating over the ocean, because in this world, ocean current, ocean tides have raised so high that people, instead of living on fucking towers or whatever, they're just living in floating buildings. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so they all, a bunch of those buildings, uh, like, anti-grav shit fucks at the same time. They all begin, like, toppling over into the ocean. At the same time that a that a weird creature that Elroy might have released by dropping a bunch of fucking... I think he, like, he dropped a bunch of goddamn like torpedoes in the ocean floor. 
Okay. It exploded and released a Shoggoth or something. Some kind of fucking Eldritch Horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really know what's going on in this book, but it's kind of all right. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of weird plot points. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of weird plot points. Um, like, like it doesn't this, sound like the Jetsons, though. Like it does and it doesn't. Like sounds like a far departure. Is this like in the direction of like? I mean, it, it doesn't have the social commentary. It sounds like like the Flintstones. Yeah, it, did, it, it, for it instance, doesn't have but... the commentary of the Flintstones. It is just kind of like just kinda like taking these familiar characters in a, in a familiar setting and kind of like going off and doing whatever they want with them. Because because so like, here's the thing like like think back to the Jetsons, yeah. Describe any of their characters. Yeah, they weren't very well um, fleshed out. Yeah, they weren't they weren't really I mean, characters. Yeah. It was just like like the most the most like fucking character thing that has ever have that has ever happened is Jane stopped this crazy thing and Jane taking George's wallet to go to the mall. Yeah, I mean, the, and the they biggest... can't do that. Like they they shouldn't do that because that is a terrible fucking storyline to have for one of your fucking central likable characters. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I remember was the relationship between him and his boss. Always, like I remember that was always a big thing on the cartoon. Like they always, like there was a lot oh, of yeah, stories about 60s that sixties and seventies Hanna Barbera thing about the yeah the single yeah, the, the single income household yeah. Yeah, and somehow having enough money, like I, I, I miss the days where apparently one person could make enough money to feed an entire household, <laughs> support I, a whole family. Yeah. I miss the day. I miss the days when you could get a job. <laughs> oh, don't 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 talk to me about that. <laughs> I I, uh, I miss yeah. the days when I miss the days when people who were too old to contribute anything more to the society started blaming people like me for the death of society. <laughs> So what I basically was getting at, though, is that this does not sound wacky, like in the camp of this like, is not dust dastardly and muttly, and it doesn't seem semi serious, like almost like this, like you said, like the Flintstones. But it just sounds like more like middle line. Yeah, th- basic. this is this is yeah. the middling. This is the middling fucking yeah. redhead stepchild of fucking of the of the Hanna Barbera stuff because it doesn't it doesn't have the interesting social commentary of the Flintstones. It doesn't have the fucking insane Hanna Barbera style fucking nightmare cartoon shit of Dashley and Muttley. It doesn't have the whole heart. It doesn't have the, like the wholehearted sincerity of fucking future quest. Right. And it doesn't have like, the, what the fuck were they thinking aspect of goddamn wacky races. Right. It's or just, Scooby-Doo for that yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, or Scooby-Doo or Scooby-Doo. Thank you, Nico, yeah, for reminding me yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have any of that. It is just, we take these characters, we give them a character, then things happen to them. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And like as it is, there's nothing super wrong with it. It's just right. There's nothing that really makes it that really makes it stand out as a like big fucking you should read this book kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from from what you're talking you're saying here. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. Nico. Right. Yeah. Um. Okay. Go back to congealed ass. <laughs> uh all right so i'm gonna talk about claws claws uh and the crisis in xmasville and uh that is what it's called it's not me just you know saying xmas instead of christmas that is called xmasville and this the title in this so 
This is a one-shot, similar to the one-shot that they put out last year. I guess this is their thing now, once a year, since Grant Morrison is a huge fan of the holidays, the Christmas holidays in particular, as it's probably evidence from, you know, he did Happy, he did Claws. He's done a lot of Christmas-centric comics over the last few years. Uh, the original Claws, I remember we talked about it on the show, uh, I mean, Dead Man, uh, did, uh, we both really enjoyed it, uh, Bertie, you said you are going to check it out, I still suggest you do, it is pretty awesome, it, Dan Mora is the artist on it, who I believe is doing a lot of your, uh, Power Rangers comics these days? Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's you, great. You were, you were not on the, uh, podcast where I trolled Dead Man about Dan Mora art, and he was like, I can't tell if you're fucking with me or not. He he can't what sorry you cut out there when you said sorry uh, when we were we were talking about uh, Go Go Power Rangers which was drawn right. by Dan Mora and uh, yeah Dead Man was trying to figure out whether or not I was trolling him by saying I had never heard of Dan Mora before or whether or not mm. Klaus was worth talking about yeah I know Dan Mora is Dan Mora is really good um, he and his art in this particular issue is actually a little different than I would say his last. Uh, Klaus stuff is um, and, and it looks like this time around he did something with um, he kind of added like watercolors to his art almost like like uh, Dustin Nguyen kind of like in Descender almost but it doesn't look like that it's kind of got like you can if you look at certain panels you can definitely tell like you can see some of the muddying of the watercolors behind it it's kind of puts everything almost in like a pastel like pastelish, muted, like pencil crayon, like almost color palette to the whole thing, and it looks really good. Like, but you can definitely tell if you've seen his other class stuff that the art style, the stuff he did with the art, like the way he approached it in this, is a little bit different than what we've seen uh, previously. But, um, but he still makes it work. Uh, so this is a okay. So it kind of looks, it kind of makes it look like Rumble. Okay. Uh, yeah, like I'm looking at some of the early pages, and some of them actually does look like just kind of rumble art mm-hmm, and characters. Mm-hmm. As, I get, as I get later in, it gets it gets into like some weird Doom Patrol shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this <laughs> so um, if you recall, we talked about the one shot that came out last year, and we weren't really big fans of that one. I, as I remember, I remember not loving it. Yeah, it, it uh, wasn't. Felt- it wasn't fucking like. It wasn't Claw's fucking level of quality. It was all right, but it wasn't fucking great. Yeah. And I this one, there's say- a Santa cave. <laughs> where instead of a giant this- T-Rex, they have a giant sh- fucking alligator skeleton. This one goes places, this particular issue. <laughs> so <laughs> this is really fucking weird. Yeah, this is uh, fucking near peak Grant Morrison. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm gonna get into it. I'm gonna try to explain what exactly happened here, but um, I did. I did want to preface it by saying, preface it by saying that yeah, we didn't love the last one. This one was a little bit better. I still didn't love it. I think the best one still is the original miniseries that he did, and that may be because he actually had the time to flesh out an entire origin story for this character, and now he's kind of just doing these wacky, crazy, off the wall one shots, which I'm fine with too. Um, and but they're just not as good as I can remember the first original Grant Morrison Klaus because when they first came out, it had a definitely a little bit of Grant Morrison in it. He definitely. It definitely was almost like a reimagining of uh, Santa Claus comes to town, Rankin and, and ba- Rankin Bass, um, 
you know, like those old cartoons, like he definitely took that idea, it feels like, and kind of, you know, like a, with a dictator that he had to basically take down in another country. Like he basically did that kind of thing with it. But yeah. And and he definitely took inspiration from that, at least I felt, and and he and it was a lot of fun. But it had magic in it. It definitely had Morrison sprinkled throughout it, but it was grounded for the most part. But then wacky things would happen, like they took magic mushrooms in it. It was you know what I mean, like yeah. things like that happened in the first series, which made it. You're like, oh, there's the Morrison. Like I was like, <laughs> like there you, know you are, I mean? you like, fucker. <laughs> like as soon as you thought, you're like. This doesn't feel like Grant Morrison. Something fucking weird would just happen. You're like, ah, okay, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, like, like that. That almost like the point. The point where he went out of the woods and fucking took drugs and then woke up with things in front of him. Yeah, it was that, toys. That, that feels like semi autobiographical. <laughs> just like he took a bunch of drugs, went out of the woods, and came back with a script for Animal Man. Uh, I don't know, dude. So yeah. I just like, why do I have all these comics from the sixties here? <laughs> What is this, a script? What the fuck? Hey, do any of you editors want to edit this thing as he says standing naked and covered in fucking <laughs> berry juice and shit, blood shit. in the fucking DC office? Yeah. <laughs> Feces. <laughs> so, so this, yeah, like, so this I'll, part- I'll take that. This particular story takes place in the 1980s, and it opens up with a family in the car, uh, you know, driving through like the shitty weather, it's snowing, and they basically they come across a town, uh, and they see a bunch of Santa Clauses walking around, kind of weird looking Santa Clauses, suspicious looking characters. I'm just putting a page in the uh, in the chat right now, and then all of a sudden, uh, if you look at the last panel of that page I posted. <laughs> They basically just abduct abduct the uh, husband who goes into like a gas station to make a phone call because they don't know where they're going. They're lost, and they basically just come across this fucking town that everyone's dressed like a Santa. And... Ho ho ho! A bit of the old ultra violence. <laughs> yeah, and then they basically just abduct him and take him into like the back room <laughs> of this like facility and take his family. And basically, he is now abducted into this. Xmasville type town, which turns out to be a corporate shell of Pola Cola, like I think basically this town that they built, which is basically commenting on Coca Cola, who a lot of people in the past have, uh, you know, basically uh, uh, they've been associated with creating the image of Christmas and uh, and this kind of thing. Like if you look, at, like there's a lot of stuff with Coca Cola and the and the Christmas branding that they've done in the past in the year years. Uh, like back in like the early 1900s that they uh, they've always been kind of known for that kind of shit. So this is basically doing like almost like a social commentary on like the like uh, like, you know, like corporations and the way they sell like uh, the idea and image of Santa Claus. And Yo, it's so about the man. It's about taking back the image of Santa Claus from the corporations, brother. Yeah, man. And. And that's basically what it is. And then this this old this uh, this kid's pushing around his grandfather as he's he's explaining this history of Exhibitville and how years ago um, a trademark years ago yeah a trademark dispute uh, escalated into an all out war between Pola Cola and this Claus character. And then you basically just see a battle scene of Claus against like robots. <laughs> 
and, and like I don't know, like you know, bears. Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> bears and uh, and like uh, I, I don't know, like wooden puppets. Like <laughs> he's basically just in this like weird battle. The wooden puppets like, makes more sense to me. Yeah. And like fighter pilots. I don't know what the fuck's going on. So basically, there's just him retelling this story to his grandson, who's now like trying to help out his grandfather with with uh, Pola Cola as he's telling him the, the history. Back in my oh. day, all we had was Pola Cola, and we fought and we fought back against the robots and the dinosaurs and the demons to keep our cola on the shelves. <laughs> Meanwhile, Claus comes across this. Exodusville starts investigating with uh, Lily, his uh, you know his wolf that basically is his companion that you've known through these series. Who and, I, uh, I'm still goddamn waiting to turn to Mrs. Claus. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could happen. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, like it's a it's a world where fucking magic and demons and immortal fucking ripped Santa Claus exist. How how are you telling me that there is not some fucking way to turn a wolf into a lady? Oh, they're absolutely they're absolutely. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, he gets confronted by his evil vampiric self. <laughs> you know, Lily, Lily, and starts sucking the blood out of her neck. <laughs> and I'm so, pretty sure that, and I'm pretty sure that's not Krampus because we already dealt with Krampus earlier in this fucking series. That's right. That was so. The last is it Black one Peter? I don't know. I have no fucking idea what this guy is. He's basically he's basically an evil, like I said, vampiric version of Klaus. He looks exactly like him, but he's bigger, stronger, faster, and fucking a vampire. Is he Mordo <laughs> the living vampire? I don't know. Is what? What? Why? Why? I, Why? Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. It gets weirder. Oh, good. Then, <laughs> then you find out there's another s- subplot about fucking them being involved with aliens. <laughs> okay. Actually, that one makes some sense given that given that one of the stories ends with Santa Claus and his magic wo- and his magic wolf buddy uh, getting on a sleigh made of crystals flying to the moon. That was the, yeah, that, again, that was the last one. Last oh, God, year. Dead Man, I'm having flashbacks to that last Christmas review we did together. <laughs> uh, anyway, you know how I feel. San- remember when serial killer Santa just got into his van and flew away in the sky? Yeah, just, you get into his you get into the fucking van and then just edits editing. Oh, it's a movie thing. Black, you should you should look up Black Christmas sometime, Nico. It's one of the first slasher movies. Canadian uh, horror movie? No, I think it's an American horror movie. Uh, Black Christmas but, is uh, a different movie than the one you're talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. What was the thing we re- What was the thing we watched? Oh. Black Christmas, I think, is the Canadian one, though. If I'm not no, mistaken. yeah, no, yeah, it is. It's uh, th- this is right. a different movie altogether. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, that that was weird, and there's a there's a lot of weird, trippy shit involving Santa. I I did watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. That was terrible. Of course, it was. Have you ever, have you ever seen that one? <laughs> Punish. Yeah. I've not seen that, but I also haven't seen the Garbage Day one. Garbage Day. Yeah, in Silent Night, Deadly Night two, there is a meme oh. where some dude just walks up, somebody's taking out the garbage, some dude walks up with a gun, is like Garbage Day, and shoots him. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a second one. <laughs> yeah. God. Um. So yeah. So if you guys are still with me here, so then he he basically is now against a town of evil Santas, <laughs> the vampiric sure. claws aliens, 
And then it goes to a, a trade, a, a showdown towards the end where the vampiric version of himself turns into a full on wolf. <laughs> Basically, like this huge fucking towering wolf and uh, starts fighting him. And there was a character from the last one shot from last year that shows up as well. I forgot his fucking name. I'm just looking for it right now. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, also, Bertie, uh, the movie we watched was Christmas Evil. Ah, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a pretty awesome name. Yeah. It's, it's a terrible movie. Black Christmas is actually a good movie. Grandfather Frost. That's it. Okay. So the so grandfather Frost. Or Jack comes... Frost too. <laughs> oh, Jack Frost. Yeah, Jack uh, Frost, Pappy. Isn't that the is Mike? Is that Michael Keaton in the first one? I can't no, remember. no, no. That's the that's the that's the heartwarming Christmas movie. We're talking about the horror movie about a living killer. Uh, snowman. Attack of the Mutant Killer Snowman. <laughs> Anyways, as you On can topic. tell, this was a fucking cluster. <laughs> <laughs> like weird genre mashing things that basically came to a conclusion where Claus came up to this girl that he knew her grandmother who ended up uh, dying uh, previously in this uh, story in the future. I guess she was a little girl at that time. He walks up to her at a book signing and basically he's like, here, I have a gift for you. Belong to your mother, your grandmother. It's yours. If you ever need me again. And it's basically this thing that, uh, she, if she uses it, she can call on Claus to help her. Uh, oh, for thought, I she, thought he was going to pull a It's My Dick in a Box. No. because <laughs> <laughs> no, he did, disappeared immediately after it happened. Like, I know there's magic, but like, come on. So yeah, so basically Claus takes on aliens, a vampiric version of himself, and a corporation <laughs> in this of evil Santa Clauses, and uh, basically rip off a of Coca-Cola in this Claus one-shot. Uh, if I did a terrible job well, of explaining, well, sure. It, I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Coca Cola is a uh, is an American and Christmas drink. Pepsi's for commies. Yeah. No, so yeah. Um, that's the best I can do explaining this fucking story. You, you did. You did well. You did well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was okay. Like I said, it's not as good as Claus still, but it was better than last year's one shot. I thought he had for whatever reason told the story and it felt rushed the last one for whatever reason and these are oversized issues like this is a eight dollar comic this isn't cheap yeah so unless you really like retail if you unless you really like grant morrison or dan morrow's work um i definitely would just not pick this up and just pick up the original clause miniseries if you haven't yet because, yeah cool because for four dollars yeah there you go yeah so this is if you love the miniseries so much that you want more, like I said, there's two oversized one-shots now at this point, but unless you can get them on sale, not probably worth it to me. But the Dan Moore art's great. Um, I will say that again. Uh, really great stuff. So, anyways, yep. All right, then. Yeah. Birdie. All right. So, to end this plate of shit... Let's talk about Mr. Miracle 1 and 2 <laughs> by Tom King. What a yeah, dick. Yeah, you're a yeah, favorite writer. <laughs> uh, all right. Give him his props. Come on now. <laughs> Let's hear it. How amazing was this, right, Bertie? <laughs> this might be my favorite Tom King book. Wow. Ooh. 
Okay, so first, uh, it's the same writing and art team from Sheriff of Babylon, which was the last Tom King book I really liked a lot. Granted, that was Vertigo, yep. not main DC. Two, it's about two lesser DC characters that I like a lot. Uh, Scott Free, a.k.a. Mr. Miracle, and Big Barda, who... Who's the best? I really... I, I just I want to see happen. I want to see more stuff happen with her. I was I was genuinely okay. So another I've talked about the show before. Just League Action a few weeks ago had an episode where Mister Miracle had run away because he had stolen a piece of the anti life equation from Darkseid. So but so Darkseid uh, kidnaps Big Barda to force Scott to return it. And through, uh, but Scott, of course, while he's hiding, is using his uh, weird stage presence to make like weird, to make uh, uh, light shows and magic shows and stuff like that. But his idea of um, cool music for his show is basically. Do you remember the final countdown? Yeah, yep, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's that British game show music. Yeah, he starts that. He does that whenever he does one of his magic shows, including <laughs> when he does one of his light tricks. And oh. Batman, Batman ma- takes one of the light uh, fakes that Scott made to look like the piece of missing piece of the anti-life equation. So when Darkseid puts it in there, it explodes into a giant version of the final countdown. I fucking love Mister Miracle and Big Barda. <laughs> yeah. Like like Mr. Miracle because like he is a he is a showman's showman. Yes, very much so. And Big Barda is just what if Wonder Woman was a bit more blunt. A little bit more blunt, gave fewer shits, had a much rougher childhood. <laughs> I mean like understandable because you know she was one of the Furies. Yeah. Personally raised by Granny Goodness and Dark Side. Okay. Yeah. But So the fact, but so the fact the- like she came out of that as like a solid person with like a healthy relationship with her husband. Yeah, or the ability to have any kind of healthy relationship at all. <laughs> yeah, or like the ability to like smile or like be nice. She's his crutch in this story too. She's great. And then there story. was that well, one because, time. Well, of course, because you know the story starts with her having him having tried to commit suicide. <laughs> yeah, you know, trying like to laugh it off. Yeah, <laughs> because he's like, you know, the one thing that's always hovering over me whenever I do one of my tricks is. Can I escape death? Is that possible? So why don't I just skip the middleman of all my tricks and just try to kill myself? <laughs> yeah. When you're done here, I have a question for you, Bertie. Mr. Miracle presents but, yeah, nihilism. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so after that fails and we cut back and forth. Okay. This is another. This is oh, this is another thing I like about this, and I hope Tom King does this in future books. His his narration benefits and juxtaposes with what's being said by the characters in the story. So you're getting both the perspective of Scott, who most of this is being told from the perspective of, and the characters around him. Although, feel free to correct me on this if I'm wrong about this, but it feels like the point of that is to say that we can't really trust what's happening on screen verbatim. Oh no, like that that is the point of this series. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I want to ask you when you're done talking about it, a question of where what you consider is going on. Well, because... Like, what's your interpretation right in of issue, what's going well, okay, on? Okay, so in the first issue, <coughs> they say that Darkseid has completed the anti-life equation. That he right. can control people's minds. So already at that point, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. We are going to be dealing right. with manipulation of reality, people not acting the way they're supposed right. to, things 
behaving in ways that don't make sense. So you kind of have to parse out what motivations are. Because at the end of the last issue I read, Barda just brained Granny Goodness, who was apparently working with Orion, to stop Darkseid. But but she's warning them that the the High Father and Barda and the... The new genes, geno, geno, not Geonosians, the new Genesis, Genesis mm. people need him Bugs to people. kill to to properly kill Darkseid, mm. and that Barda, even though she is his wife and loves him dearly, might not have his best interests at heart right now. Mm. So I have not read issue three. I know issue three is out. I have not read it yet. Four is out, actually. I think. Okay. I think, yeah, I think it's four so far. But if I had to guess. We still don't so, know so, for the so, record. Okay, we so, still don't know what's going on. Yeah, we, still we don't, don't know what's going on, yeah. but in terms of... I can guess at some of the themes. Because in both issues, Darkseid has not appeared once. Yeah, that's But right. he has been yeah. omnipresent, both in the Absolutely. plot and in the thoughts of what Dark, Scott's thinking Dark about. Darkseid is. Darkseid yeah, is God. Yeah. 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 So, no, that, just Darkseid is. Yeah, Darkseid yeah, is. Because... Yeah. It, or, to, or to quote... Um, uh, the episode from the end of Superman the Animated Series. I am many things, Kal-El, but here I am God. <laughs> dark side. Respect, Mike. Yeah, re- respect actual dark side, not whatever the hell is going to show up in the next DCEU movie. Whenever they do hopefully that. it'll be nothing. Ah. <laughs> uh. Wouldn't, wouldn't, they, wouldn't that be actually kind of like great? Because they have they have all these trailers for like the next fucking Justice League movie. They just, they just go to the fucking theater, and then like the like the print that they're sent to the film is just literally nothing. That would be hilarious. Yeah, it's it's just two hours of a black screen, and then credits roll. <laughs> it just says Dark Side is at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the most meta fucking thing. Just just every once in a while, just like a first single frame is just like split like spliced in there like a fucking dick. Just weird math equations. Oh, it's like so, like Fight Club when he mashes up the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but instead of a penis, yeah. it's math. Because and then the entire thing is just like some weird, me- some weird, like fucking meta movie about how Dark Side is trying to infect you all with the anti life equation. <laughs> yeah, but I this is this is what I kind of wanted from other Tom King stories where he used a lot of narration. Mm-hmm. I wanted the narration to give us a perspective that we're not getting from the dialogue, that we're not getting from what the characters are saying to each other. But because right. and because of that, I think he's really well suited to noir or in the case of this like very mm-hmm. introspective, broken, unreliable narrator style stories. So, yeah, I'm going to this might I know we don't do best of year lists, but this might be one of the best of 2017, wow. which has been a really good year for DC. Same, for the most yeah, part, aside from one or two comics, this has been a really good year for DC. Rebirth has been an attempt to purge, kind of like how Justice League was attempting to purge uh, the DCEU. Rebirth is trying to purge the new 52. <laughs> but unlike the DCEU, Rebirth has actually been successful. Well, yeah, but... Um, the end of Justice League, from what I can tell, is like the last last gasp of New Fifty Two before they officially start Rebirth. Is what I'm hoping. Like it's what what was that last arc in the New Fifty Two? Is that Dark Side War? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of what Justice League is to me. Mm-hmm. So, so, so Bertie, do you think then 
I also think that basically what we're seeing right here, a lot, a lot of it isn't real. This is basically just dark side fucking with uh, Mister Miracle. Like that is a that is a definite possibility, and right. the book has leaned hard on that, particularly in the sense that none of the characters are at at points that are important to the story. The characters are not behaving in the ways that you right. would expect, except Barda. And, like even even when things are getting weird, like they have that big fucking. Uh, like, like in the in the most recent issue, they have this uh, it's like big thing with uh, with Orion questioning Mister Miracle in like true or false right. statements. Right, right, right. But that's the weird thing. They play they they walk that fine line so well that in this, I find that he goes into the other room and and then he speaks to Forager Bug, and then he goes back and speaks to Barda. He's like, "Oh yeah, I just spoke to uh, you know Forager or whatever in the other yeah. room there." She's like, "Oh, oh yeah, okay. that's great." Yeah, you know what I mean. She's like half asleep. Yeah, like, you know yeah, what I mean. So like, but okay, particularly the second issue. Um, so by the end of the first issue, we'd already established we can't trust what Scott literally sees because he all the other characters are saying he's seeing things that aren't there or right. He's talking with people who are not present, or he thinks he gets clean in a shower that, as far as we can tell, never turned on. But at the right. same time, there is way too much evidence. But again, and this is the this is why psychological thrillers like this work is that there is way too much evidence from what we are seeing that even if we can't trust the main character's perspective on things, that's we can't really trust other people's perspective on things either. Oh no, because so this is. Like even on Go his ahead. best even on his best days, I would struggle to trust Orion. Yeah. Because I mean even Barta says he's an ass. That's all he grows up to be. He grew uh, up to be an ass. Right. Yeah. And now he is I, just and now he is the all father. So fuck me. Well that's the thing. Like like Birdie just said, like we can't even trust the interpret like the, how the other characters are portrayed because we could just be seeing this through what he sees. Oh yeah, as uh, and uh, this could all not be real at all because he could be dead. He, that opening scene where he yeah, tried yeah, to he, kill himself. Yeah, this this is this is this, uh, right. is this is his brain dying. He's gonna wake up in the hospital. Right, right. I don't know. That's yeah, what I mean. Actually, like it's very that's interesting. That's a very real possibility because the book did suggest: Did you actually escape death? Right, and that's a central conceit of it. Do you escape? Can he? Can the ultimate escape artist escape death? And that might mm-hmm. be what we're seeing—that this is right. all just him trying to escape death, and what that would be like to think about. Yeah, yeah. But again, we don't know. But it's this is definitely worth. Oh yeah. Even if I don't know, this is worth it to find out. Absolutely. I feel like it'd be. I feel like it'd be kind of interesting. Like, like you go through the entire thing. Um, like we go through the entire series, just like things slowly realize. Then we get to the end, and it's just like Scott. He just wakes up, like oh, in the hospital, and Bart is there, and it's all great. And then just the last panel, panel is just like a fucking, a fucking just like little speech bubble from Barda that just says that just begins reading off the anti life equation, and then just we don't get to see the end of it. Yeah, or she says something that suggests that what we're seeing is not re- not literally real, mm-hmm. like. Uh, well, what's a good example of that? Um, like if she said, if, if the last thing she said before, like, okay, so as an example of this, uh, in the second issue when Scott's freaking out about what Granny t- told him and what he suspects is true, Barda's answer to clear his head is to get them back, is to reenact the torture treatment they went through as children under Granny Goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mean- I can't imagine. I can't imagine Barda. It, I know that's what they were raised on, and that's how they think. But I can't imagine it as much as Barda loves Scott that she would put him back in that mindset just to clear his head. Yeah, that, that does that does feel a bit weird. But then again, 
You see, but, you see how Scott dresses, right? Mm, yeah, he could just be really yeah. into that. There, there's a there's a reason he plays the final countdown. <laughs> yeah, just just like like he goes out to the mall at Thanksgiving time and sees Granny's there. He gets real awkward. Yeah, <laughs> Birdie is the scene with the Jello in the second issue with <laughs> with the Jello. Uh, and, oh man, when she's torturing uh, that guy yeah, at the table. That, 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 <laughs> that was there. Yeah, I know, that I know was fucked talking. up. That scene. I was like, "What the fuck is going well, on?" That's what happens when you take the guy who wrote Sheriff of Babylon and give him space Nazis. <laughs> but no, but they had the guy. She had uh, the Granny Goodness had the guy tied up and had the Jello in front. <laughs> And he couldn't eat it, and he's trying to like mouth the food. Yeah, and then you all you see is Mister Miracle trying to eat the Jello slowly with his mask. I take a Jello shot. No, but Bertie, you'll see when you read the other issues. Like, like, yeah, Mitch Garrett's the artist is doing a great job of this too. Yeah, for for whatever reason, the Sheriff of Babylon artist. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, but like, but like the thing. Yeah, like, but it, you'll see, Bertie. There's another issue, the next one probably, where he shows like a um, one of those carrot dips, like you know what I mean, <laughs> like one of those, like you remember, you know what I'm talking about, Dead Man. That scene where, where he brings like one of those like uh, dips of like a big bowl of dip and carrots. Yeah, and, he, like, br- he brings a veggie tray. Yeah, veggie tray. That's what it's called. Sorry. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I know it just sounds weird. I'm like, hey, check out the next issue with the veggie tray. But you, when you see the scene, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's similar, almost just the actions of the characters, like with this fucking veggie tray. I can't explain it, but like, it's just very surreal and very odd, and like, just like this Jello fucking scene. Like, yeah, it's, it's, well, like like any good psychological thriller where you can't trust what's real, it's better yeah. not to make it seem too normal all the time. So what you're saying is. We need Tom King to write more psychological thrillers and then also do that fucking noir Elmer Fudd story. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's my favorite this thing. This is I what I'm Tom getting King's from this conversation. Been doing, been doing in comics well, it's, lately. It's humanizing characters. Is it weird like to Batman, say, it, it might be weird doing. to say that um, all in all together, of all things, his vision book is too normal. <laughs> Man, why do you keep insulting me? <laughs> I'm getting oh, fed up of you hating that. That, <laughs> that made me breathe wrong for a second. <laughs> but, like, of the books we've discussed, that might be the most normal. It kind of is. Like, yeah, like, yeah it's American yeah, Beauty, and American Beauty is yeah. about fucked up people, but, like... And, and it's about fucking, like, magic robots, but that is suburbia and the horrors that come with living there. I think of that movie totally different now because of the Kevin Spacey thing. I'm sorry. Anyways. Yeah, no, no, no that, that, is, that is fair. That's totally fair. Like, that, that is, that is. I had to say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Like, it's hard to talk about movies now when, yeah. when like, you have a 50-50 chance of mentioning a child, mentioning a fucking child molester. That one in particular, though, because that he was odd in that movie to begin with. Anyways, yeah, go on. Yeah, that. that oh God, no, you're, you're right. right. He's trying to fuck his kid's friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm oh. sorry. Yes, oh, yes. God. I've, I've I've unfortunately had this thought since this news was revealed about that. Movie. Son but of anyways, a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, someone needs to recut yeah. that movie and replace Kevin Spacey with the Vision. But Bertie, I don't know if you're reading. 
uh, Batman by him, but that's actually been pretty solid lately too. And I think it's because he's humanizing a lot of these characters and taking an approach that we haven't really seen from a lot of writers. That me personally, that's what I, I like about. I Tom have King. to sit down and, and watch it. I haven't gotten a chance to not read. I have, I have the first few issues of it. I haven't sat down to read them yet. Yeah, it definitely is. It's up and down his Batman, but for, there's a lot more highs and lows in my opinion so far. But uh, did you yeah, read? Uh, anyway. Did you read the annual? Loved it. No, no, sorry, sorry, no not, not the annual. It's a different fucking. It's an issue. It is Batman thirty six. Yeah, I loved it. it oh, was great he, too. Him writing Superman is loved it. It's loved really it. good. Yeah, they basically do this whole. Uh, Sorry, Birdie, to interrupt, but they just basically do this thing where um, Superman and Batman are both talking to their significant others, which is Catwoman now for Batman and, and Lois Lane, about each other. Are they actually ha- getting married? They're actually getting no. married, apparently. No, okay. I, I think he's going to take it. He's going to get everything he can out of this situation. And when it comes down to it, I don't think they're going to keep it. Me personally, I think that's what he's going to do. I want but. them to keep it, though. That, that's the thing. He I, is- I want this. This is this is fucking interesting. God damn it. No, but here's the thing, Deadman. He's mined so many good stories so far out of this without it actually even happening that there really is no need at the end of the day, if you think about it. Because there's a need for me. There's fucking emotional yeah. catharsis. Yeah, the, the, okay, yeah. the, the, the but, problem. You know, I need the, that talk, release. Okay, the the pro, what, what Deadman's talking about, Nico, is yeah. There been a lot from what you're saying. There's a lot of good ideas in the story just from having it play out. But there's a certain level of underwhelming. There's a certain level of disappointment if you just take all those interesting ideas and then just return to the status quo. Sure. I need to see this happen. I need to have some fucking follow through on this because if we don't... Dead, dead man does not want their marriage bought by Satan. I do not want a Batwoman here. <laughs> yeah. Just fucking let this happen because then you know what can happen? New shit. Yeah. And I've loved it so far, everything they've done with it. Like, the Talia visit, I love the whole, the Superman, that, that like you just said, that issue. And then the next issue, they're all going to go out to dinner together. So that's yeah, yeah, and be. Fucking, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and it was so fucking cool, because it, like, it starts out with, uh, it, this, this Batman book starts out with Superman saying, if he wants to, t- if he wants to call, he'll call. And Lois is like, like each, each thing is like trying to convince, um, like, Lois is trying to convince Superman to call Batman and talk to him about f- the fucking wedding and shit. And then, yeah. Cat, and then the other side, Catwoman is trying to convince Batman to fucking call Superman and talk to him about this wedding shit, <laughs> which is a real fucking thing that happens when dudes like don't want it. Like that's that. Yeah, that's and, a real. Yeah, fucking well, yeah I'm the best man in caveman's wedding, and that kind of shit's yeah. happening to me. So right, yeah, yeah. And, no, but that's what I mean. And it's, the, it and rings like, true, and like it keeps and like as they're jumping back and forth, we we get just a uh, Batman talking about. Superman and like what he sees Superman as and what he sees as and he and how he sees himself as not as good as Superman. And then Superman we get we get him fucking thing and talking about how he's not as good as Batman and just like how it how it'd be just kind of shitty for like the them to have this and how like them having this relationship doesn't make sense really. It just ends with like Lois and Clark stepping out of the elevator and then Batman and Catwoman coming out of the elevator shaft. Both of them are like, um, uh, you aren't supposed to be here. It's like, neither are you. And then Lois is like, hi, I'm Lois. Nice to meet you. Let's have dinner. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, Bertie, you need to get Trump because I think you really enjoy what's going on right now. Yeah, it's like, you, you, don't even need to, yeah. you don't even need to like read the other issues. Just read Batman 36 and it will be just fucking really cool. 
It's great. Also, uh, also, Super Sun's annual. I have heard. I heard because I Super Sun's it, annual but, yeah. is about Titus the Bat Hound, Crypto the Super Dog, and uh, fucking them reassembling the League of Super Pets in order to try to in order to try to like save a bunch of local pets who've been kidnapped in order to be sent to space. And Bat Cow is in it, and apparently Crypto and Bat Cow are like bros. DC's done a good job lately. Yeah, there's just there's this scene where just a uh, fucking crypto just goes into the barn and there's Bat Cow and they just have like a little fucking like like Lion King like headbutt moment of just like them resting their head against each other as the way fucking animals hug, I guess. I feel it definitely did Birdie dirty here on this. I'm sorry, yeah, sorry, the, Birdie. On this book. <laughs> I no, that does sound awesome, Dead Man. Sorry, but yeah, he should. Yeah, yeah sorry, wrap sorry, up Birdie. What he's talking about. We, <laughs> We didn't, we didn't mean to, we didn't mean to Shanghai your time. That was the Tom King fucking love that went off the rails there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. No, I really like this book. I'm going to keep reading it. Um, Outstanding. I, I, yeah. I think I just think that there are give certain, it up, Bertie. Certain styles. He's a good writer. <laughs> there are certain styles of storytelling that Tom King is very adept at, and others that he could improve on. So stay tuned for the final season of House of Cards coming to Netflix. <laughs> so Deadman, uh, uh, can I just can I just have Batman be my book and not talk about New Order because I really don't want to. Sure, New Order is <laughs> Nightwing. The New Order is. I don't care. It is shocking how much I don't care. Is it because it's ringing? It's continuing, even though it's like an Elseworlds ringing true to not be fucking Dick Grayson. Because as soon as you told me the premise for the, his book, I'm like, this does not sound like Dick Grayson to me. Like I was like, yeah, it is. It is. It, I feel like it's a similar problem Birdie has with Wonder Woman in Injustice, just not to that extent. Hmm. Okay. Like, like there's, there's a point where, uh, like. I, I I think I must have skipped an issue because going into this issue, um, Dick has been captured by the Resistance. Uh, which consists of Roy Harper, uh, Beast Boy, um, Starfire, and Lois Lane as the White Lantern. So a bunch of teen Titans. And Lois, Lois Lane. Lane. <laughs> okay, is the White Lantern. Okay. Yeah, uh, so Cor- so Starfire is Nightwing's kid's mom. Shocking, I know. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the two of them are fucking having a conversation, and Dick's a dick. Because yeah. like it does, it's this kind of thing is a similar kind of problem I have, like similar kind of like weird issue thing with uh like as the gods will, I guess I think the book is called. It's it's an Elseworld story where all of a sudden like everybody with superpowers loses those superpowers, but like all magical people like disappear, and it's this really weird thing of like, hey, if you have superpowers, you're not you're not allowed to have them. Even if they're not actually superpowers and are just what you are. Like, like apparently in this world, Starfire is an illegal existence because she has powers, even though she's not human. Huh. Yeah, so Strange. I just, I, it's just yeah. weird. And, and like, and like it, and I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. I don't like this book. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to read it anymore. Talk- Fuck this book. Okay. This book is bad. I don't know why it's this bad. <laughs> All right. Because this is, this is goddamn 
Kyle Higgins. Yeah, who actually wrote Nightwing for a short period of time during the start of the New 52, and I thought it was okay. Yeah, he he was a decent <laughs> Nightwing writer. And also, right. he writes Power Rangers. Right. Which is amazing. And he wrote that Cowl book, and he also wrote this other book I read not too long ago that was pretty good, um, Hadrian's Wall, which was pretty awesome, is through Image. Yeah, shit is, dude's a good He's writer. Right. Why is yeah. this so bad? Hmm. Also, why is Beast Boy fucking evolved into some weird cat man? Because Beast Boy is in it, and now instead of just being a green person who can turn into any animal, he is a green tiger man. Not sure. With, like, fucking cat <laughs> legs and, like, a tail and whiskers and shit. You know what Beast Boy is, I guess. I don't know. This yeah. shit's weird. Oh yeah, also well, also at the end of it, uh Mr. Freeze shows up and he's apparently some super awesome big dick cyborg man who was able to take down all the fucking grown up teen titans in one blast. You know, Mr. Freeze. Well, like you said, at least Batman is really good right now. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> you know that classic fucking Nightwing slash Teen Titans villain, Mr. Freeze. <laughs> They couldn't have gotten Mr. Twister. Sam Humphreys is actually going to be a Nightwing the next issue as well. I should add. Yeah. Uh, and get ready for that Justice League book for Christopher Priest where Batman fucks up so bad Wonder Woman stabs him in the chest with a sword. Really? Yeah, that, that's the big thing. Like like in Justice League, uh, like Justice League uh, solicits or like fucking promos for that book. It is Batman. It is like Wonder Woman. With looking horribly shocked as there's a sword implanted in somebody's chest, and you see Batman's face reflected in the blade. Okay. And it's like Bat. It's like Batman will make a grave mistake or whatever. Right. <laughs> in a world. I don't know. Fuck it. I don't. I don't give a shit. Fuck New Order. Okay. Read Batman. <laughs> yes. Absolutely, because yeah, we definitely talked about it. And the annual is fantastic. It actually has the same artist Lee Weeks who worked on the uh, crossover with uh, him and Elmer Fudd. They actually have a uh, they go to the bar. I think that they went to in that same uh, don't they? There's some sort of they bring up the Elmer Fudd thing a little bit in that annual, I believe. I, I, they, I don't know, man. I <sighs> it was really good though. But yeah. yeah also, anyways. sorry again, Bernie, for kind of shitting on you by just. Saying like yeah, go fuck your pick. No, that's fine. I like I kind of I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts expressed on the podcast. I knew you didn't really have enough to say other than fuck this book because it literally makes no sense. Yep, no, but, no sense at all, at all. No, it's all right. Yeah, we real. We reeled it back. We definitely were all just talking about Mister Miracle, but then it kind of went off on a Tom King fucking so, thing. Nico. All right, so very quickly, I'm not going to talk too much about this um, because it would take far, far too long. Uh, so DC Holiday Special 2017, pretty good. It does have a $10 pr- uh, cover price, which is expensive for a single issue, but I think this uh. is like an eight. Yeah, yeah. And no, I'm, it's and, true. And I mean, with a title like that, how can you not draw people in with that? Listen, these anthologies are a fucking uh, crapshoot sometimes that DC puts out. Uh, some of them are really horrible. Some of them are pretty good. Some of them are a mixed bag. I would say this one was pretty good for the most part. I actually pre- I really enjoyed just, this. Okay, just, just to put this in perspective. Yeah. 
I bought a anthology DC book about Wonder Woman a couple days ago for two bucks, which featured two stories in it. One drawn by Terry Dodson, the other by Gary Frank. Okay. Which is a... Deadman, would you imagine Gary Frank drawing Wonder Woman? No. (laughs) Yeah. It's a weird experience. (laughs) Mm. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at fucking Gary Frank drawing Wonder Woman. That is... (laughs) Oh, boy. And, and and this is the problem you usually encounter with anthologies. That's why yeah. me personally, you, I'm you not roll the a, dice repeatedly, right? Yep. Right, and and roll that's why me personally, dice. historically, I'm not actually a big fan of anthologies. I don't go out of my way too much to read them. Although it's Christmas, you know, Christmas is coming up soon, uh, you know. So I figured, you know what? I looked at the creators that were involved with this. I was like, let's give it a try. Maybe you'll have some nice, like, heartwarming classic DC stories. Uh, and yeah, you got some of those in this, so I did enjoy it. I'll tell you some of the names that were involved: Jeff Lemire and Giuseppe Camicoli. It was really good. Damn, dude, did a yeah. So they did the first story and the ending story. Basically, it opens up with uh, Constantine in a bar at Bibbo's Bar from Superman, <laughs> and uh, Clark Kent is sitting there having his yearly club soda around the holidays, <laughs> and. Uh, him and Constantine obviously is going on about the state that the world is in and how everything's fucking gone to shit. Very timely. Yeah. Uh, everything's but, on fire. How are you doing, Superman? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Superman basically goes on and on about, listen, there's a lot of bad shit, but I still have hope. You got to kind of keep stuff positive. And he finds himself every year in this bar, according to Bibbo, because he's kind of contemplating the same thing and basically thinking why he does the things he does and is he do actually making a difference. And by the end of it, as he's walking out of the bar, he, uh, he, uh, he he basically says to Constantine, it's like, listen, hey, do you have anywhere to go tonight? Like, because he's all, like, miserable and shit and, and by himself and hating the state of the world and Superman's why would kinda... you invite? Why would you invite Constantine to go anywhere when he's feeling miserable? That's when people die. Right. Well, <laughs> he, he ends up back at the Kent's apartment, sitting on the couch, drinking a pint, and then John, Jonathan's like, uh, so, what are your powers? He's like, I don't have powers. He's like, okay, what's your costume like that? He's like, I don't wear a bloody costume. <laughs> and, he's like, and he's like, now you do. And he throws a Santa hat on him. And then he goes to spark up a cigarette, and Lois is like, not in my house. And he's like, bah humbug. And you see him looking at the, st- the reader with the cigarette oh, in Oh, God, Constantine is <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton and Bad Santa. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. He's going you know, to go, go ask fucking lady behind a dumpster. <laughs> I enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed it. Um, it was a You're nice little... you find a version of Satana with an even worse daddy fetish than she does in the real series. <laughs> And it's gonna be like he's he's there doing mall Santa, and all of a sudden, all the children in the line have their souls devoured by Satan. <laughs> he's like, he t- "Well, time for a new fucking origin story, I guess." <laughs> yeah, fuck the other shit. I fuck the other shit. My tragic backstory is I I fed a bunch of children to a fucking mall Santa demon. <laughs> uh, you also get a eight page Tom. King Sergeant Rock story with art by Francesco Francavia, who you've seen in Archie Afterlife with Archie and many other things. He's great. Uh, I hope so that that's was, good because that because that, sto- that that combo of art of sto- of character and story almost sounds like a waste of Francavia, but never mind. Oh no, it was it was it was good. It was really good. I don't see what it has to do with Christmas necessarily, but fuck it, who cares? Other, yeah, other than it other has than, as much to do with Christmas as the Hellblazer Christmas special. It's fine. <laughs> I think I think it is 
basically took place during Christmas or in the winter because there's snow around them during this World War II Sergeant Rock type scenario. But it was great. Um, and the other story I liked was there's a Flash story uh, written by Josh Williamson, the current writer of Flash and one of the artists that works on the series, where they are all stuck in an airport on Christmas. And there's a bunch of people that need to go home, reach their homes for Christmas. And he basically picks them all up and runs them home to help them out on the holidays, which is great. It was actually a very nice, like, heartwarming tale where he, everyone's stuck in the fucking, uh, because of weather in the airport. And their little girl walks up to him and he's like, Mr., uh, can you help me out? It's like, I have these presents for my family, but I'm here with my class and we got stuck here. Because uh, they were on some sort of field trip, and I'm not going to be make it home to give them these gifts. And he basically looks at her, grabs the gifts, and basically runs her home to her family. So, and then does it for everybody else in the uh, in the airport. So it was a nice little. I liked it. I liked if that, it. A if lot. that was Superman, uh, he'd go. Well, honey, that sounds like an over there problem. <laughs> <laughs> Never well, forget. This, 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 that's not quite yeah. the most awe moment involving the Flash I've seen Christmas related this year. Another JLA episode. Um, Green Arrow threw a Christmas party because he wanted to try to be bros with Batman, but Batman didn't show up. So Flash literally ran into the Batcave and stole him to the Christmas party. <laughs> the Flash batnapped him for the spirit of Christmas. Nice. Also, a story that Steve Epting drew a uh, Batman story. So that was really good, too. So, yeah, so there's some good, and that was just a few of the many, but those are my favorites out of this anthology. So if you are looking for some Christmas comics and some more DC goodness, definitely some come off cheesy, some come off as heartwarming. Others, there's a Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka Wonder Woman Batman story in this, which, which is pretty good, too, actually, I should mention. Uh, but, yeah, there there is some definitely good art writer teams in this. Like, and, like and yeah. original Greg Rucka run Batman Wonder Woman or rebirth Batman Wonder Woman? Yeah, not original. It's definitely more of a rebirth. But but well, what did it? I'll, sorry, I'll quickly mention it. It's basically him writing out both perspectives of their um, their perspectives during Christmas, like night and day. How Batman kind of solves problems, how Wonder Woman solves problems, and how they come together uh, every Christmas night every year to basically, uh, light a fire and, and, and talk like in some sort of like remote location mm. that they meet up with every year. It was pretty good. I actually liked it. Like he is basically like, is again, like the whole, like, um, Batman's trying to basically stop some mugger in the streets of Gotham. And then Wonder Woman is helping out starving people in a country and bringing them a, um, a big, um, uh, like big thing of water, like you know, like a big tank of water, and basically helping starving impoverished uh, children. Uh, so yeah, so it was, it was kind of, it kind of, it got both of the characters, and at the same time, kind of like again, was like a little heartwarming, kind of bringing things together, and they kind of meet every year apparently to kind of discuss their day every Christmas or something like that. So it, it wasn't bad. Again, it was, it's pulling at the heartstrings these tales, most of them, but they, but if you get the a good writer and a good artist on on it, it's not so bad. So yeah, okay, yeah. All right then. Those are what we're reading. Then on to news. So first up is not a piece of comic news, but I feel like it's important for the comic industry as it is because it's kind of a monumental fucking step towards. Are, are we doing? Are we doing that trailer? Are we doing that trailer? Not that trailer. Fox. Okay. We're doing news that Disney has bought Fox. Yeah. Well, 
I was kind of convinced that was going to happen eventually because Fox is not making nearly as much money off their movies as Marvel Disney is. Yeah, but like it's they didn't they didn't just buy they Marvel did. stuff. They bought Fox. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so uh, for those who hadn't been following, um, some news came out a while back that Walt Disney Company was in talks to acquire the majority of 21st Century Fox, the company that owns. All the Fox movies and stuff, as well as the X-Men and Deadpool and Fantastic Four and that whole shit. Uh, so those talks eventually dropped, eventually fell through, um, and things were quiet for a couple of months or a couple of weeks at least. And then today, through or at least this week, it was announced for press release that the Walt Disney Company purchased fucking 20th, 21st Century Fox for a little over $52 billion in stock. So... With this deal, for the first time ever, Marvel owns the rights to every single one of their characters in at least some capacity. Since, God, I don't think they've done it since the 70s. Yeah, this will... That's fantastic. I'm very happy about that aspect of it. Yeah, so now, since that Sony deal happened and Spider-Man is there, Marvel owns all... Marvel has some amount of creative control over every single one of their characters. Yes. We might actually get a good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, they also got um, James Cameron's Avatar, The Simpsons, FX Networks, and National Geographic. Oh, I didn't think of The Simpsons. As well as multiple other characters. Disney's a monster. (laughs) Yeah. As well as multiple other fucking properties and stuff. And and they bought all of that stuff and then left behind Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speci- fuck them. Yeah, th- th- this, this thing specifically said that Fox is going to be spinning off their own, spinning off Fox News, Fox Business, FS1, FS2, and Big Ten Network into its own separate company. Smart. Yeah, they that s- way that that cancerous tumor can fester and die on its own. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Smart for them to remove themselves yeah. from everything that's involved in that fucking side of the business. I honestly, yeah, I honestly want to, I honestly want to say that like that was intentional. Like Disney was like, yeah, we'll fucking buy you, just not that shit. Oh yeah, it was absolutely intentional. Not that Disney, you know what I mean? Like they've had a lot of fucking shit yeah. that went on and there and too, so but. and so this is this puts things in kind of a weird state right now because as it is. Fox was developing multiple X-Men properties. Yeah, including I saw the trailer for that horror X-Men film. I still don't yeah, know. Yeah, that what looks to make that looks that. interesting. The Phoenix yeah. one? No, Which one? the New Mutants. No, uh yeah, New Mutants. Oh, yes. No, yes, like, yes, not, yes. not like horrifying elements, like flat out horror movies. Yeah, it is a but horror featuring movie. the X-Men. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, no, I heard about that. Yeah, and then there's also Deadpool 2. Yeah. Well, well, come on, Dead Man. As the trailer proved, there are just happy little accidents. Yeah, actually, and and actually, uh, uh, Bob Iger, the uh, head of Disney, did come out and say Deadpool will still be R-rated. Well, that's what I—that's the one thing, and I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. That I don't understand why people are freaking out a bit about because Walt uh, Disney already owns other things that aren't fucking like 
family-friendly Disney stuff. Yeah, like, but, yeah for, but, people, okay, but Marvel, Marvel, aside from what the, the Netflix shows, has not really deviated much from the formula of the yeah, Marvel Mar- movies. Yeah, yeah the, the big money-making Marvel movies have always been the, we make these for everyone. This is for family. You're, you can take a kid to this. You can buy your kids action figures. This is what makes us money. And Deadpool does not fit in with the Marvel movies. Yeah, Deadpool does not, Deadpool does not fit in in any capacity. In like content wise, fucking like yeah. the way it tells stories, the way they make movies, Deadpool doesn't fit into that. Yeah, it'd be like if Suicide Squad showed up in the Richard Donner Superman movie. Yeah, just this fucking weird spinoff thing that is so different from anything else that the that this fucking genre is doing right now. <laughs> and, I, and, I'm not, yeah. and I'm not saying that Deadpool is like the most original thing. I'm just saying, with how Marvel makes movies, this is sure. different. This is weird. And like the way and the way Fox was treating the X Men and the way that they were like going forward with the X Men universe of just doing, hey, what if we took these characters and put them in a different kind of movie? Hmm. That is also like not really copacetic with what Marvel does. Hmm. Like even Guardians of the Galaxy too. Like I rewatched that and like it was different from the other stuff that they've done. Mainly because it just wasn't the boilerplate what they'd already done. I mean, when it all comes down to, though, is that nerds all over the world are jizzing themselves right now because of the realization that X-Men could actually be together with the Avengers. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, the it, fact it's, that... it's entirely possible that Deadpool <laughs> will show up and like be really yeah. pissed off that he can't say fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Teenage Spider-Man and this Deadpool. Dude, Yes. <laughs> that that is a that is a potential possibility right now. I I feel Ryan like they, Reynolds I, t- Ryan Reynolds taking Tom Holland to become a man is like, dude, I'm 16. Cool. <laughs> I feel like they won't do it That's given the current climate countries. of like people right now. Like, no, probably like, not. Like, but... like you know, calling back to Kevin Spacey. <sighs> Why? <laughs> because that could be the potential optics sure. of doing this. Mm. Like maybe wait until Tom Holland is like maybe wait until like this Peter Parker is like in college before they do that. <laughs> you know, also, like, like, hey, you you're, got- like hey, you're legal. Like Deadpool just shows like hey, you're legal now. Let's be friends. <laughs> also, if you guys don't follow Ryan Reynolds on Twitter, definitely do because he's been tweeting out a whole bunch of funny images. Yeah, like like like, one of, the, the, like yeah. one of the first things, like the first reactions Blowing to this metal, Matterhorn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, Deadpool is yeah, Deadpool's being fucking like escorted out of Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He they're, the rollout of of the stuff that they do uh, prior to the Deadpool movies that Ryan Reynolds kind of gets behind is great. Like a, a lot of the stuff that they've been that he's been promoting for this movie has been really funny. Yeah, anyways, that, that, yeah. that Bob Ross thing. <laughs> yes, the painting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, moving on to actual comic news. So Marvel. Uh, speaking of New Mutants, is reviving the New Mutants, kind of. Mm. Yeah, so um, ahead of the release of the movie, uh, Marvel is going to be releasing a six-issue miniseries called New Mutants Dead Souls. Uh, the book will be written by Matthew Rosenberg, uh, have art by Adam Gorham, and it will have a bunch of fucking uh, New Mutants members joining together to go out and like do shit, but... The lineup is weird for the team so far, based on the cover that's been released. So, of the new mutants, of the new mutants that we know of, uh, the ones that are the ones that will be on the ones that were like shown on the cover are Magic, 
you know. Uh, She's great. Yeah. Um, boom, boom. Mm. Uh, then Richter, Wolfsbane, and Strong Guy. Strong Guy was an X Factor, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Wolf. I'm pretty sure fucking Wolfsbane was too. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I'm not as familiar with X Factor, but I know that I'm pretty sure. St- a strong guy was for sure. Yeah, Wolfsbane, you're right. That's not a new mutant. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it'll be part of a six-issue miniseries uh, that, according to this, um, will have the team come to get, come back together to rediscover their origins. Whatever that means. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in, okay. a, yeah in a statement from the publisher, um, Rosenberg said, To me, the new mutants exemplify everything I love about a superhero team. They are true underdogs, doubted and dismissed, but always ready to prove themselves. They're the weirdos, the outcasts, the leftovers, and the misfits. But they are there for people. They are there for the people who need them. I have never read New Mutants, so I do not know. Yeah. There are some good arcs of New, like a lot of the X Men spinoff books. There are some good arcs. It's just a lot of the story. The comics went on too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you could say the same for almost any run of X Men, also. So yeah, I mean, if it counts for anything, I, I haven't read any much of New Minutes at all either. But uh, Chris Claremont did create them back in his Uncanny X Men run, so yeah. you know what I mean. So they're worth. I'm sure that stuff's good. So, but anyways, yeah, yeah. So uh, New Mutants Dead Souls will be launching for a six issue run in March next year, uh, just a month ahead of the release of the New Mutants, the the now Disney film. Which is right. coming out on April 13th. Disney presents a mutant horror movie. <laughs> yeah, you know. Disney. I, I already seen somebody make a meme of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Disney's Gotham. <laughs> it just says Disney's, and it has Mickey on top of the Gotham like banner. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> can't, can't be any worse than Gotham's Gotham. Oh my god, oh my god, that is so fucked, that is so fucked. Let's not get into a Gotham no, rant, just, just, please. Disney, <laughs> I think Disney technically owns the rights to two DC properties. Uh, what, Gotham, Gotham and Lucifer. And Oh, Luther, oh, right, because they, Luther, the, right. they own the Fox network, even though if they don't own Fox News. Oh, that's strange. Oh, that's fucked. That is so fucked. Yeah, that is strange. Huh. So, so now it's a reversal. How long do you, do you think it'll be until we see a Star Wars Marvel crossover? Uh, never. It's, you don't think so? It's only a matter of time in my no, mind. Not, not officially. <laughs> not officially. What, what it'll be is like... Is like they, they'll have like they're having like a sizzle reel for like a comic con or something, and it will have like it'll have like Daisy Ridley holding a lightsaber, not dressed up as Ray. She'll be holding a lightsaber next to Chris Evans, who's holding the Captain America shield. And that's about it. Yeah. Either that, or someone someone working for Marvel Comics will go see the mouse and say, "Hey, would it be okay if we made a joke out of cross dimensional Marvel heroes ending up in the Star Wars universe?" And he's like, "Oh, I don't care. That's what makes me money." Uh-huh. Yeah, Bob Iger's just sitting there fucking doing bumps through fucking $100 bills, just going like, what? Who the fuck are you? Get out of here. Remember, I'm Bob Iger. See you at Disney World. Bring money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Bob Iger on his fucking golf cart. Actually, no, it'd be more appropriate to say, ha-ha, come to Disney World. You already have your money. Ha-ha. Oh, come to Disney World. Go. Come to Disney World. Pay for our parking, park- pay for our parking structure. Anaheim did. Ha-ha. <laughs> Yep. Anywho, moving on to next piece of news. So, Boom Studios has announced that uh, 
as part of uh, as part of the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger series that they have going, and as well as the Go Go Power Ranger series they have going, uh, they will be doing a huge Power Rangers crossover event that will show that will have, I believe, all of the different Power Rangers teams teaming up together. Wow, you guys must be in fucking heaven, right? <laughs> Not really, because uh, I'll show God, you the artwork. Okay, I don't care about this because it's even listed that's not final artwork but dead man's a little freaked out by the low quality of the art they use to promote this okay let's see here <laughs> i am just da, da, da. so send that let me see this uh oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was dead man's reaction too yeah, that's not that's not the that's not the official art. Uh, that is uh, some kind of variant cover or something. Even the poses look horrible. <laughs> the characters. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a big fucking thing. Uh, so the event will be called Power Rangers Shattered Grid. Uh, it'll be kicking off in uh in Power Mighty Morphin Power Rangers twenty five uh, coming out in March. Uh, written by Kyle Higgins with art by Danielle DeNicolo. I'm sorry, I pronounced. I'm sorry, I butchered your name. And then it will be going into Go-Go Power Rangers, uh, written by Ryan Parrott. And it will be about Lord Dracon, the evil version of Tommy Oliver, mm. uh, coming over to... Spoiler dis- for, the, for the main series, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he will be coming over, crossing reality, to try to destroy all Power Rangers. Sorry, just one quick question. Correct me if I'm mistaken, because you guys know more about Power Rangers than I do. At least the, the, uh, uh, the, on this cover, I'm looking at this variant cover. In the underneath the Yellow Ranger, there is that like the original, like the, what Power Rangers were based off of originally. Uh, the, like, the the the, uh, the yellow black. The, so like the three by th- the two three by, the two rows of three thing with the yeah. With no, the fucking, those are the Psycho the, Rangers. Oh, okay. Those are, yeah, those are evil Power Rangers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, th- th- this is very. This is very especially being about Power Rangers, not Sentai. Just Power Rangers. Okay. Sorry, I thought that the masks looked sort of like maybe something that was like this. Sentai no, style. if you want to yeah, see what okay. Sentai looked like pre Power Rangers, I could show that to you at some point. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking at this. Okay. I'm going over it, and every team they have, everything up here is listed as just th- this is Power Rangers. Because to me, or Power Rangers villains. Because I had no idea there was this many. I just like fucking like Power Rangers verse, like Spider Verse. You know what I mean? (laughs) Power Rangers has been on television for over two decades. It started in '92. No, I remember. Power Rangers is as old as I am. It's it. It is on its crap. Like twenty second season. (laughs) Yeah, twenty second season. With that, with that many different teams, because like after the third series, oh, they, they didn't technically switch teams in the first five seasons, but after that, they mostly switched them out. Yeah, and looking and so, looking at this fucking thing, they have they they have multiple iterations of the Mighty Morphin team on this fucking page. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, like like the, like the one time they went back to the Wild West uh, when they swapped out some Rangers, uh, just them in different poses. Right. All of the they have all of the green ones beneath them from that weird time when Tommy just gave them all green powers. Yeah, when they were all just green. <laughs> okay. Uh they got they got fucking 
Yeah, this is this is a weird like Where's Waldo style fucking image. Yeah, of this I'm just looking through like, all right, what fucking teams it's are? It's fun. To, it's not good art, but it's fun to look at. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh fuck! They even have goddamn like me- they even have like fucking white cowboy Tommy back there. I yeah. mean, why didn't they just call this Power Verse or something? Because <laughs> uh, Shatter Grid is more dramatic. Yeah, and it's also yeah. a reference to something that's very important in Mythos to Power Rangers. So okay, yeah, the morphing grid. Where all I, rangers I, get their powers from. Yeah, uh, I will say that. Uh, <laughs> What's that the, fat purple one? <laughs> what is this? Uh, the fat, fat one purple here. one. Uh, that, Underneath the white that, ranger in the left hand. Uh, well, so, so for one thing, that is. <laughs> oh my god, damn it. It even has the fake robot light speed rescue rangers. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm sure this is really bad podcasting for anybody listening. Yeah, We're yeah like, totally. Just us, just, yeah. just us describing an image they can't see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Never mind. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. So that is coming out. Uh, that's beginning to come out in March next year. I will say, uh, whoever this writer is, they should never draw karate hands ever. No, no. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, right is the, it is one. the most awkward looking fucking thing. It is like it is. They somehow found a way to to get the awkwardness of the Power Rangers movie, like the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. They found a way to they found a way to turn that into an image. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you can hear the awkward '90s soundtrack as they're doing stuff. Yeah, just just all of them are just every time they move their hands at all. Like it's almost as if they're trying to pose for them about to start off in a fucking marathon race, and they don't know how to hold their. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just like, yeah, just is their, just their, is their first concert on stage, and they don't know what to do with their hands. <laughs> oh God! So. Moving on to our next piece of news. RG Comics has announced that they'll be rebooting Dick Tracy. Yeah, strange. Now with you know less racism? Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Dick Tracy, uh, the series will be uh, co-written by um, Alex Segura, uh, the current co-president of Archie Comics. And uh, Michael Mare- uh, Michael uh, Marecci. Marecci, I'm sorry. Uh, he worked, uh, who, whose other titles include, um, Image, Com- Image Comics, um, Roche Limit and Hoax Hunters. Uh, with art by, uh, Thomas Patilli, who, who previously worked on covers for Riverdale and the Archies. So yeah, this is all coming out, uh, in April next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, while speaking with, uh, Heat Vision, a, Sub blog of the Hollywood Reporter, I guess. Uh, Segura said, The term dream come true is a painful cliche, but also extremely accurate in this situation. I have vivid memories of being completely obsessed with Dick Tracy as a kid when the movie hit, and that sent me back to exploring the, the amazing Chester Gould strips. That movie? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I started laughing. I was like, really? Yeah. That sent me back exploring, sent me back to explore the amazing Chester Gould strips through Max Allen Collins' superb work and the current excellent dailies by Mike Curtis and Joe Statton. In my eyes, Tracy is an iconic character on par with Batman and Superman, and it makes perfect sense for another 75-year-old iconic Brandon Archie to be bringing him, yeah, to be bringing him back to monthly comics. I can't wait for you guys to see my interpretation of Ebony White. Sure. I mean, Archie's been doing a good job lately, so we'll yeah. See. And I mean, to but be I, fair, they've yeah. had they, they've done recent Dick Tracy comics, or no, sorry, not Dick, not Dick Tracy comics. They did Ebony White. Sorry, is a spirit character. 
I know. Sorry, the, I yeah. <laughs> I fucked up which I fucked up which old timey comic done about, modern about revert, do. revisions of pulp. That's characters. the Will Eisner racist character. Yeah, that <laughs> isn't yeah. it. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, everybody. I conf- <laughs> I confused which fucking like which nineteen forties right. comic book fucking superhero ish detective wearing an iconic colored coat and fedora. I was talking about. That's fair. No, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. The one with less... Uh, he was talking about the one with fewer ugly villains. Because mm, yeah. I don't know if you've seen the original comics, that the, the, the way the villains looked in those, those books. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. When Al Pacino in that movie was the most normal-looking one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anywho. Putin face. Yeah. So, uh, moving on. Uh, Valiant Comics is going to be reviving Shadow Man. Good, because that first series was doo doo. <laughs> Just saying, it was. Okay. I tried to read it; it was bad. Yeah, so uh, there'll be new, uh, there'll be new Shadow Man series uh, coming from Valiant this March, uh, written by Andy Diggle. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like, well, big deal. <laughs> I was like, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Day. Uh, so, according to Hollywood Reporter, uh, the new series will be uh, in a similar kind of form uh, format and setup to um, Exo Manowar. Okay. Uh, with like uh, Exo, yeah, with uh, this title being based around three issue storylines with a rotating team of artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first storyline, Fear of the Dark, will be uh, illustrated by Steven Segovia. Hmm. Which, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, it's coming out. Okay. Uh, and then, finally, going back to Archie Comics, their, Archie Comics has not given up on Afterlife with Archie or The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> Even though it seems like they have. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right, according to, yep. According to um, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa, uh, the chief creative officer of Archie Comics and the writer of both those series, they're still actively being worked on. I think the problem is, though, he doesn't he also write for the TV show? I believe so, right? Uh, yeah, like, he's the executive producer yeah. and showrunner of Riverdale. Yeah, so that fucking... Are you problem. still watching that, Dead Man? Fuck no. I, <laughs> I am. It's not good. <laughs> but I still watch it, yes. Yeah, so, um, for those that don't know... I was to say, um, why, why would either of you enjoy Archie fucking an old lady who's supposed to Archie be... Archie comics have gr- been good lately. Archie actually. comics have been really good lately, yeah. Like, yeah. like fucking... Reading no, like I wasn't the... talking about. I, I wasn't talking about Archie Comics. I was talking about Riverdale. Hmm. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, for those who don't know, Afterlife with Archie and uh, the Chilly Adventures of Sabrina are both uh, part of the Archie horror imprint, uh, and they are both what if Archie Comics characters were in a horror series. Hmm. Uh, Afterlife with Archie is about a zombie apocalypse where Jughead gets Sabrina to, re- to bring his dog back from the dead, and then he becomes the patient zero for a zombie apocalypse. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina are is set in like the fucking sixties and is about Sabrina becoming a witch in like the more satanic way. You know, like blood sacrifices out in the woods. There's a character right. called Miss Satan. Uh, that series is really good. I like yeah, it that is. one a lot too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also coming out soon, I guess, from Archie Comics Horror is a uh, Jughead the Hunger, which where Jughead is a werewolf being hunted down to be killed by Betty Cooper, werewolf hunter. Hmm. So, yeah, and I also think they just announced another series where Veronica is a vampire or something. Yeah, like sure. That. Why not? 
Yeah, you mean she actually, wasn't already <laughs> like a more literal vampire. Li- uh, so, if was that the last piece of news? Uh, I got no. I have more to talk about with this. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, talking to CBR uh, Complex Resources, um, Aguirre Sakasa. Uh, said that while he is working on Riverdale, uh, he and the upcoming Chilling Adventures of Sabrina television series on Netflix, both series are in production. Both of them are still, like, happening. And according to him, uh, Francesco Francavilla, um, Afterlife with Archie, Afterlife with Archie artist, and Robert Hack, Sabrina artist, both of them are still working on the series. Both of them are still, like, drawing and doing stuff for the books. It's just hmm. things are going slow. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The upcoming book is called Vampironica. Okay. Yeah. So I did hear it correctly. Okay. Yeah. You know. Huh. Yeah. That seems. Yeah. <laughs> but the artist is the guy that just worked on Moon Knight with Jeff Lemire. He's really, really fucking good. That guy. Uh, I forgot his name. Um, uh, Jack Greg Smallwood. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Greg and Megan Smallwood. Yeah. He he's really good. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. I guess that's news too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, then. Cool. So. Uh, just one. Th- uh, sorry. Is that it, though, for news? Or? Well, uh, no, Birdie. Dead Man, you promised me. Yeah. So there was also a trailer, going back to movie news for a bit, uh, released for that, for, released for um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Right. The animated one. Yeah. The animated right? mo- movie yeah. uh, about Miles Morales. I want this to be good. As do I. Mm, because the too. trailer looks really good. They cast good people to play it. The, I like the art style. It's yeah, got this movie's it, got a considering hell of a this is from the people considering this is from the people who just brought us the emoji movie. I am <clears throat> surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, continue. No, that's the correct response. But I realized that this was Sony animation. Plus, Marvel has not had any success when it comes to any of the animated movies they've brought out. Yeah, but this is more under Sony's banner than than Marvel and Disney's anyway. Mm. But um, but it looks good. Uh, The only thing I don't know if you noticed this, Dead Man, considering you notice CG stuff a lot. But does the frame rate seem a little low? Oh yeah, this this seems like not final animation where things are really choppy. Like they're missing a couple frames here and there. Um, and I, like, there was a delivery of, like, there was a single line delivered in this, in this, uh, trailer. And it was bad. Like, I hope it's not final voice acting either. Like, they just, like, they said, hey, we need a line for the trailer. Just say this really quick. And they just, like, ran up, ran up to one the fucking, like, Zoom H1 in the fucking parking lot. But yeah, I... I hope it. I hope it looks good. Uh, hopefully, as things get closer to like an actual release date, we will have more finished animation and more finished like voice acting. Mm. It's potential to be good. So yeah, there's potential is. here, which is more than I can say for most other Sony yeah, pictures animation. Broadcast. Considering most of Sony's stuff with a comic books, <laughs> b animation over the last few years, I I'm surprised that I'm this hopeful. Yeah, like um, like. Like as as hopeful as Cora told me he was after seeing the Alita Battle Angel trailer, despite the anime eyes, oh, I'm kind terrifying. of in the I'm kind of in the same position about this. Where 
despite what I can see are very obvious problems, like this being Sony animation that, that, that looks a little choppy. I don't really know what the story is yet. I kind of like that it seems like the Prowler's in it. Well, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a big part of his character arc. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, it's been a while since I've read the Bendis comics for Miles, the original Bendis Morales comics. Yeah, like uh, in, in OG, in, like, in like original fucking Morales stuff, uh, the Prowler is a huge part of his fucking backstory. Okay, cool. And I, I, that, I wasn't saying it as a negative. I was just saying I like the Prowler, so I, I like that he's showing up in this. Yeah, they see, it seems um, like they're going more for the like actual, at least at least to an extent, they're doing like the comic stuff. Yeah, Be- because we see extent. Peter Parker's gravestone. Yeah, yeah, which is why I'm thinking that scene that they show with him talking to someone that looks like a grown-up Peter Parker Spider-Man is probably towards the end. I hope is probably towards the end of the movie. And that this story, that this movie is mostly Miles Morales becoming a new Spider-Man, and then they go into Spider Verse stuff. Well, yeah, it's, it's called Into the Spider Verse. Mm. Yeah, but I, but I hope it's not like half a movie about Miles Morales, and then okay, let's do Spider Verse stuff. I don't mm. want that. Yeah, just just, 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 like, just like a bunch of fucking dudes, just like Miles Morales hanging out, and then all of a sudden the fucking like vam like vampire totem eaters show up, and just like I'm here for your soul. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, and then all but of a sudden, hey, this fucking if, Spider UK and Spider Ham show up. Yeah, but if this, but if this <laughs> if this does well, we can get Spider Ham. We could get Spider Gwen. That's that's the big one. Can we get Spider Punk? Co- <laughs> Don't forget Silk. I know you're looking forward to that. <laughs> I will stab you. Well, be, I, 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 this would make me sad, but since Marvel movies have shown so little interest in using her, Spider Verse might be a way to introduce Jessica Drew. Oh yeah, you can get Jessica yeah. Drew. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like, you know, like maybe in the context of like how Spider Gwen has started using her as like her den mother for superhero stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah. they they good. they do a Spider a universe movie where Spider Gwen is like the second Spider Woman, and she eventually tracks down Jessica Drew and starts saying, "Hey, help me with this hero thing." She's like, "Oh fuck, no! I've married this nice supervillain." It's, it's like you no a lovely kid together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like she's walking down the street with like a little baby and like a really husky redhead. And then it's like, "I need your help." And she's like, "Oh fuck!" And then we get a Jessica Drew TV series that is like Jessica Jones but on Zoloft. <laughs> and then they meet. That's how this. That's how this comes full circle. Yeah, but I, I considering the production studio behind. I, but I guess it, the the film is being produced by um, Lord Miller, so that does give me some hope. Yeah, even if there's like a whole bunch of writers and directors on it, right? But like, I I, I feel like that. Yeah, this that that does make this like a bit more like a Sony thing. Because like, in case you forgot, anybody out there who got forgot. Um, Lord and Miller were both fired from the Han Solo movie by Disney. Yeah, probably. Yeah, for, yeah, for trying to make things too funny. Happens, it's, yeah, they're, yeah, trying to go off vision from what Marvel Disney want. Yeah, whereas Which, this seems yeah, like it, it has, is an actual person's vision. Yeah. Again, I, next Christmas, I oh God, I hope it doesn't get killed because... That means that I guess it has cross programming appeal, but kids are going to want to go see Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, 
And it's coming out Christmas next year, and pretty much all movies now have said, shit, it's Star Wars, move. <laughs> well, keep it, Well, keep in mind that it's Star Wars spinoff next year. Right. Okay, true. Yeah, it's not yeah. main Star Wars, which, yeah, by the it's, way, it's, I'm it's not, looking forward to Last Jedi. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, in the, it's not in the situation that Jumanji finds itself in. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Um, Why does that exist? Yeah, I don't know. Because some, I, I, because somebody at fucking, because somebody at some fucking studio company got like a bad batch of coke, and then while they were molesting somebody and jacking off into a ficus, they're like, "Let's make new Jumanji." <laughs> that does look terrible. No, uh, actually, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It all the early reviews and everybody talking about it that they've seen, they apparently really like it. I just I think it's stupid that the fucking idea is them going into the game and then turning into somebody else that's not even them. Yeah, like, what that's the not fuck is the, that? that's not that's not Jumanji. <laughs> that's what I mean. It's not Jumanji. Yeah, this, this like, feel, this, <laughs> everything about Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle feels like they had a different movie called Welcome to. Robin called, like, Williams is spinning in his fucking grave right now. <laughs> you know, like, like, this it, is it, seems, it seems like it seems like everything about this fucking movie is that they had this idea for a different movie and then that studio executive like fucking pulling out like weird potted cactus needles from his dick is like let's make a Jumanji oh, that's yeah. one of the that's, that one's in the hole uh. anyways not to end on a downer I also quickly just want to mention since it wasn't in your rundown of the news that earlier this week on uh, Brian Bendis uh, went to Twitter to announce that uh, he didn't want to tell people but apparently earlier in the week he actually almost uh, died he had a, he had an MRSA infection and he's still in the hospital right now with it so, so right now uh, a staph infection yeah so he is fighting it he says he's doing better but he he was he did leave the hospital but then he had to go back and he's admitted again right now so what are the odds that somebody that- at marvel gave him that <laughs> very possible uh he said that both companies are being fair in terms of him leaving marvel and him starting at dc to give him the room and space he needs to start but yeah i just felt it was timely because we did talk about him uh, quite a bit most recently yeah they, 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 they say that yeah. but like then you just like rewind the footage and like joe casada you just see he has like this weird like it's like a little ring with like a fucking needle on it <laughs> it's like, hey, ha- like, hey, have fun at, D- hey, have fun at DC. And you see it, just see him as he leaves, yeah. just like a, just like a really like mournful smile turns, and just a scowl, of just like you fucking traitor. You know, I wouldn't put it past them at this point. <laughs> it's yeah, very, it's very possible. Anyway, but uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for this okay. week, and it will also do it for this year. Yay! <laughs> Thank y'all for joining us. Thank y'all for joining us for this shit. Uh, 2017 is actually a pretty good year for us. For us, but not for the world in general. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yes. yeah, th- things have going pretty well around here. Um, hopefully, hopefully 2018 will see a pickup. It's things are things are already not off to a great start, given the fact that the FCC earlier today voted to repeal net neutrality. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. So, Dead Man, if you don't hear from me for a while, I'll be trying to move to Washington, to Washington <laughs> State, where they've said they'll try to protect it on a state level. But yeah. Hmm. So we will be back in one month's time with a new, with a new episode of the Storeprods.com podcast. Uh, podcasts will be returning. So next week is the final week of podcasts for this year. We then be going on a customary two week break, and things we get back into the swing of things on the week of January the eighth. With first podcast back being the comics podcast on January 10th. All right. 
Hopefully the year won't bitch. start with me bitching about a comic company ruining one of my favorite female characters again. <laughs> just just wait. Boom Studios will find some way to fuck somebody up. That's that's how the narrative goes, right? Yeah, Trini will kill Zack because she always loved him or something. <laughs> you can talk about the She-Hulk series again. <laughs> No, just they in, they introduce they introduce fucking Tommy in Go Go Power Rangers, and then like Tree and Kim get into like a little bitch fight about who wants who gets him. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Until next year, though, I'm dead, and I'm Birdie. Merry Christmas, I'm Nico. Happy New Year. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time.